Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. I'm Andrew. I'm Marianne. I'm Graham. And this week we're continuing from last week's Anime April, and we're taking a look at another one of the Japanese animated films on the list. This week it's Akira, released in 1988. Some, making this something of a companion piece to last year's sort of two-parter, sort of 1988 double feature of Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro. Also, this movie takes place in the year 2019, so it's very much a document of the times in which we live. Uh, we At have... time of recording. <laughs> as, uh, as is usual with these episodes, we've invited two experts on the panel, including the wonderful Graham Day and the fantastic Marianne Cassidy. Thank you very much for joining us again, guys. Not an expert. Incompa- <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not an expert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an enthused hobbyist that's really it. Um, Has heard of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> like... Maybe watch some of their films. Uh, well, some of their food. Nice. Hey. Let me just um, reiterate what Darren said, expert. (laughs) But no, thank you very much for for joining us guys for this. This is an interesting one because this is one of the films that's relatively low down the list. It's number 249 at the moment. It's been bouncing around the bottom 10 on the list for quite a while. I've been kind of interested to cover it myself because I'd never seen it before and was very sort of fascinated. And because I don't watch movies for pleasure, I thought I'd drag the three of you <laughs> guys into it. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, hey, let's watch this movie before it like says goodbye to the list for good. Mm. Like, I, 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 I don't know if it will or not. No, it'll yeah. probably be. But it, um, like a Japanese there, boy and she's got like powers. You pulled us all in. There were, there were a few movies on the list that did kind of jump in and out. And it's like, oh, don't worry. They'll still continue to jump in and out. And mm. I, I don't know if we've seen them since then. Kind Hearts and Carnets. No, Kind Hearts and Carnets. Hasn't come back, which is upsetting. It's like, a, it's not don't a recent two? movie. Yeah. It's an Elin comedy. The one and that I was I'm... like, oh, it's going to come in and out. Yeah. Um, There's also another one. As like long the, as we keep doing this. The Exorcist has come in, actually. So if it stays in, we have a pretty good Halloween movie this year. I think that meets your criteria for Halloween. How I believe it does. It though? Um, it's around now, it's 246. Uh. Um, I was on this podcast possibly last year and I was like, oh, I was surprised to learn that Akira wasn't on the list at all Yeah, yeah. during that time. Um, but Darren, do you just like watch the list being like, <laughs> hope that goes on the list so I can Come watch on. it. <laughs> refresh, 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 refresh. So, yeah, he gets a notification to, to see that somebody has given a movie on IMDb a rating. <laughs> it's like, I wonder if it's affected the list. Yeah. And then no, I, I kind of pop over. Just one person yeah. hasn't changed the uh, <laughs> list of movies. Yeah, okay. Uh, but yes. Oh, hold on. Another person's voted. <laughs> but yeah, so Akira was originally released in 1988. Um, it was based on a manga, just as we discussed, obviously, with Natsuka in the Valley of the Wind last time. Like Natsuka in the Valley of the Wind, it debuted in 1982 as a manga, and the serialized, mag- uh, serialized in the pages of... Uh, Kodansha's Young Magazine. It was created by Katsuri Otomoto, Otomo, Great. a native of Tomei at Miyagi Prefecture. You're giving it to um, Graham so that he can pronounce the Japanese. That's a fair point. All, all, all of these, all of these names, I, I'm guessing, are going to be in show notes. They will indeed, yeah, and links and stuff, yeah. and also Which on the IMDb page like, for Akira. In one of the Kurosawa episodes, I went through like kind of pronunciation with you, and and that that was very kind of conceited of me, I, um, because I don't really know either. 
<laughs> like I did some Japanese, um, and and then I was like, no, I can I can help Darren pronounce these things, but it just comes across very kind of. No, 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 and I get glad for the help whenever it's offered. Yeah. I believe the way we say Akira is wrong. Oh, okay, it's Akira. I believe the A is pronounced. Well, I think it should be strong. equal stress because we where we um, no because now now you're giving uh, the the first. No, but that's giving the second syllable uh, the stress. As How many times dis- are we going to say it? <laughs> As we discussed in Nausicaa, I don't think there's any way for us to pronounce any of these names as they are actually pronounced without coming across as extremely racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Akira. Okay. Akira? I just want to see if we can do a podcast episode that's not as long uh, that's longer than the ep- the film. Um, yeah. Two and a half hours. <laughs> but yeah, so I was about to say, just inter- it's two and a half hours long, is it? No, no, last episode was. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, but just talking about Akira, Akira's interesting because it immediately became a cultural landmark. And it also became a project that was almost like a white whale in terms of like the Japanese film industry at the time. You'll notice, for example, the first credit that appears on screen is from the Akira committee. And in fact, the Akira committee are credited in like the closing credits as a bunch of organizations. Basically, in order to animate this successfully, first of all, it took seven, you know, the bones of like six years between 82 and 88. But it also took like a conglomeration of companies working together to realize the vision. The budget at the time was 1.1 billion yen, which depending on at what point in 1988 you chose to convert that would be roughly around seven million dollars, which was a huge budget. I mean, we talked about like Nausicaa last week had a budget of like one million dollars equivalent at the time. And obviously now since then, that's more than double. It's like 15 million, which, you know, while isn't a major budget now, back then was seen as being this sort of massive investment. It's absolutely incredible in terms of scale. Um, and it sort of had this huge impact. It was one of the first anime films to really break out internationally. And it became a huge cultural phenomenon. There are still talks today about like adapting it for American cinema and sort of what that would look like. There have been directors attached, including people like Jordan Peele and Taita Waititi. Uh, but it's got this, or Taika Waititi, apologies. But it's got this sort of uh, huge cultural cachet mm. that is absolutely sort of fascinating to discuss. This is my first time watching it, though. Andrew, had you seen it before? I had not. This was uh, this was my first time watching it. I I I think um, uh, it's 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 great being able to the the rare time where Darren and I watch a movie uh, together for the first time. Um, but we had two experts with us, to help so out. it was it, uh, yeah, it, it oh. was. It made the experience easier. Yeah, and to, to, to be clear, to give a sense of the scale in which we're talking here, there are six, uh, 160,000 animation cells in the film that we just watched. And we talked about how Nausicaa Valley of the Wind had something around the region of 263 colours. This had 327 different colours using it as well. Um, it's astounding. It used a little bit of computer-generated animation, which at the time was practically unheard of. It's... It was groundbreaking and earth-shattering at the time. But Marianne and Graham, you had both seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember when you first saw it? Yes. Y- yes. Would you like to go first, Graham? Uh, <laughs> no, I'll defer to you. Um, so, well, the first time I tried to watch it, I have a really clear memory. So I was about 16 and I was with two friends and we'd been up, like, up all night just like wandering around in the suburbs as you do when you're a teenager, kind of a... Uh, Kind of before um, drink was a huge factor in my <laughs> life, I guess. 
And uh, we got back at like four in the morning. We were like, we're going to watch Akira. And like all in... immediately fell asleep and so all I really remember I was just like why is that weird child screaming so much and then just like people yelling Tetsuo and Kaneda like at each other that was my initial impression of the movie but then someone gave it to me on DVD since then and I had watched it a couple of times since then I'd say okay yeah and Graham um I was I was around the same age 15 16 pretty much I found a group of friends that had similar interests in film. Uh, you know, we loved watching like really violent uh, anime, Japanese films, what we could ever get our hands on. And then we happened across uh, Akira and Grubby I'm really, gra- I'm really glad that I watched it again because this, I only watched it once. Um, and it, it, like, it kind of blew my mind. I had no idea what was going on um, for the most part. Uh, watching it a second time, still have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> Twice now, and like of an age, you know, we're going to be asking like maybe you fifty, one of those yeah, questions. yeah, of like fifteen years, and I'm still like, okay, well, how does that work? How does this work? Just stuff like that. But yeah, it really, yeah, Graham. Just to be clear, profound. Marianne answered last time. You're going to answer next this time. So just let oh, that hang geez. over you. Grand, I got it. Okay. It's difficult to remember. Like it's it was, been a week. It was, it's it's like it, it was profound because it was an anime film, and it was one of my first anime films. Uh, I had seen some beforehand, but nothing on this scale, nothing with this kind of grandeur to it, and nothing that asked these kinds of questions of of my young mind. Yeah, I think I actually saw it before I saw any Ghibli. Oh. Yeah, so I think it was probably because like one of my friends was particularly into anime, and she was like, "We should watch this." Um, yeah, so it was a very weird introduction, but I'd say this is now my fourth go around, and I'm like, "Yeah, I understand." what was going on but it does <laughs> it is a film that like demands your concentration yeah oh you know? yeah like if you take your eyes off the subs even oh, yeah. for a second you're just like hang what now <laughs> there's a moment where difficult I, I, one to take notes that's for. A, there's, a, there's a moment where again this is not really that spoilery but it was like i wrote down like a, it's a, a film of 31 years old i haven't watched it yet <laughs> well no no we're gonna get to that in a moment but it was like yeah i went to went to take note and looked up and somebody had exploded yeah um it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, actually it was two Okay, but it's that sort of film. Um, but yeah, no, at least two people exploded. <laughs> yeah. Just so, just so we're clear on this. Mm. But yeah, this is this is fascinating because again, this was something of a game changer. We talked about like 1988 as a year that was very important in Japanese animation. Last year, we I was born. The, I was born. Um, we were already experts. born. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. We've, we've been born. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> it's the year of the dragon, which Damn I don't right. know is I don't know, but like, they're, it's very significant in a lot of Asian cultures. So maybe it's something to do with it that a lot of people were like, "It's time for my magnum opus," you know. <laughs> it's, it's like that's what my parents were thinking. It's considered a profoundly <laughs> lucky year, but it's actually I'm not sure if this is relevant to Japan, but certainly in China, the birth rate spikes on dragon years oh. because it's a very very lucky year for children and like dragon children are considered to be like uh, just like off the scale kind of ambitious and successful so. oh, okay stands to reason yeah. Yeah. based on what we've witnessed yeah. <laughs> as experts in the field uh, but yeah so this is again and Akira is one of those films that had has this huge kind of cultural impact mm. um, it was released in American cinemas on Christmas day uh, in 1989 <laughs> And then sort of toured around the country in 1990. In fact, uh, Otomo travelled to the film's New York premiere in October of 1990 as well. 
Um, it had it opened in the United Kingdom in its Institute of Contemporary Arts in January 1991. And then you had this sort of like even more recently than that, around about 2001. And it's telling me, watched the Blu-ray edition, the recent Blu-ray edition. Mm. That had the dub that was recovered in 2001 because it went on tour again. It was restored, remastered and toured again. The soundtrack itself was also remastered. It's had a huge array of, of impact in terms of popular culture. Um, it's a, an influence on American and international cinema. Like there are individual shots in this movie that you can tell directors have looked at and said... I didn't take that, put that in my film. Uh, but even things like, for example, uh, Rian Johnson, who directed The Last Jedi, cited the movie as an inspiration on the plot of, say, Looper, for example. Kanye West's video for Stronger is a shot-for-shot remake at certain points of the movie Akira. Um, and that sort of stuff is on there as well. Stranger Things is cited as an example. Mm. And it apparently, like, it even inspired their entire generations of animators mm. from overseas and from America who have travelled to Japan just to have that sort of connection. If I can it. interject one. Yeah. Um, no, no, you're an expert. You're not, you're the not creator, here to talk. The creators of uh, Chronicle, uh, yes. they, they cited it as a massive inspiration for that story. Yeah. And you can see it, especially in that final act. Yeah. Josh Trank and yeah. Max Landis. Max Landis, they cite that as a massive, massive um, uh, inspiration for their characters, the, the, the story, and that, I mean, I love that final fight, that final climatic scene in the, uh, in the film of Chronicle. It was... I love, I love, I just love that film. But yeah, and again, like, so that's the kind of outsized cultural footprint that it has. And it was weird watching it because while I don't think anything can prepare you for watching Akira, I still felt like there were bits of it that I had sort of absorbed passively. Mm. Um, And while I think Graham's right, that like, I'm not entirely sure I could explain moment to moment what exactly was <laughs> happening. I think I got a bigger sense of it, but I also, there were like moments in it where it was clear, oh, that's what they're doing. They're doing that thing. Um, and it's kind of interesting to, to watch a movie that has that level of impact. Um, but just guys, before we jump into the spoiler zone, right? Three questions. Um, and because Graham is going to get landed with the big one, mm-hmm. uh, Marianne, we're going to ask you first. Would Akira rank... Do you think Akira deserves to be on the IMDb's list of the top 250 movies of all time? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's because while the list is like in many ways meaningless, if it does have a meaning, it should be to kind of mark the films that have had that kind of impact on cinema and have had that those kind of shockwaves like through cinema as an art form. And I think Akira absolutely like qualifies on that front it is groundbreaking and that's why it should be there it is and it's kind of interesting because in some ways it's like this year we tried to do movies for anime april that weren't ghibli and we had to sort of cheat and also do like uh, nausicaa to get that in there as well but like outside of that there's the uh nge movie the the neon genesis evangelion have i have i got that correct graham Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. Apologies. Yeah. You just don't pronounce the G. Okay, Evangelion. Uh, but yeah, so that that's on there, and obviously we did uh, your name as well. Um, but like outside mm-hmm. of that, it's mostly dominated by Ghibli. It's interesting that like this is in and out. This has been on the list and off the list, and doesn't have the same steady place as something like say the other two eighty eight releases like uh, Totoro or um, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. No, mm-hmm. no, but I'm thinking like the, the oh. Because it's like 88 is seen as a big year for Japanese animation because of these three films. Mm. And it's all that... Because this is a film that I think is very... Ironically enough, if I were to pick one of the three most suited to the sensibilities of the IMDb's list, 
this would probably be the one that I would have assumed would be most likely to be on there, which is strange. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, Enter space. Like, like it's um. In do do you mean kind of in in terms of uh, 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 tone or in terms of audience? I'm I'm in interested. Terms of audience genre and tone. Yeah. I'm interested to hear that Marianne and Graham both watch it when they're around sixteen. Yeah. Because yeah. like uh, w- while watching it, I was kind of. Um, obviously, the uh, a lot of the characters in this are around that kind of age. Yeah, they're high school age. They're about kind of sixteen or so. Yeah. Um, I think they're even told at some point that like they're they're over, um, sixteen now, or that they're fifteen, mm. or they're, and yeah. they they can now kind of be held be, accountable in yeah, court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and but it it really kind of um, I felt that the fact that. I, I got a I got a sense anyway that the fact that it went through kind of uh, being that age and having certain kind of experiences that the that 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 the movie kind of spoke to me more. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to kind of um, uh, hear uh, that that was kind of when you saw the movie because yeah. I was wondering is that the perfect time to see the movie or is it just necessary to. Um, have gone through that. <laughs> I will kind say of... the reason why it worked for me was because I watched the dub version. So right. it's tech again. We say this, and then it's it's not a slight, but it feels like a dubbed version at times can be a dumbed down version of how the characters can speak to one another. They how they emote. Maybe things are said in a slightly simpler fashion right. uh, for Western audiences. I'm, I'm not sure. This is my first time seeing it in the sub version. Um, but for me. I think honestly, there was a part of me that was just like it, it tapped into that aspect of rebelliousness of that being that age. Um, you was spo- like honestly as a young male um, who like was totally into girls and all that, seeing Canada and how he acts and his motorbike, which is just so goddamn iconic. And then you see what happens to Tetsuo and the kind of the aspects of. I, I don't know, a kind of almost primal aspect of what he could do. And you feel maybe you're a bit powerless as maybe the, the nerd in the, you know, your secondary right. school. It, it, it tapped well, into something. It spoke to me in that aspect. And it, yeah, that's I didn't get the deeper messages, yeah. but I got the more, the more, the more, less, the, the less subtle aspects, if, if that's what I can say to it. Right. Yeah, I don't know about Marion. No, I mean, yeah, I was very uh, non-rebellious teenager, except in a very superficial way. So I don't mm. think I was like, Oh, motorbike so cool it's also a very <laughs> the bike looked cool. it's also a very Unsafe like obviously like male centric movie yeah. in terms yeah. of like how we should deal with our problems <laughs> and like um yeah so i mean it's interesting watching it as an adult because i think as a 16 year old it is a case of like i mean when you're 16 year old everything is like do i identify with this because <laughs> that's all you care about but like watching it as an adult as a story about kids i found it more interesting because mm. you're like you know all the sort of the level of poverty and abuse these kids have experienced mm. was something that never really stood out to me when i was younger because I was like, well, that's not my experience. So, like, it's not relevant to yeah, my understanding yeah, of the film. It's not relevant to my understanding of the film. But now, like, as a story of, um, about, like, super poor, super neglected kids being tossed into, like, this crazy power struggle that's mm. much bigger than them. Like, that is a very interesting aspect of the film that I hadn't really tapped into Getting before. Getting a taste of true control. Yeah. Like, mm. I think... I. 
there there are so many things going on in this movie. Uh, I, I know. I thought it was all right. <laughs> huh? No, I was messing. Straightforward. No. <laughs> Straightforward. Uh, like, um, Pure narrative arc. I feel. I feel Very like. World. I feel like the the I kind of understood things because I and I, I don't think it's because I'm particularly clever or anything. I think it's because the way the kind of story of the movie went. I think it kind of fitted into kind of my worldview or uh, yeah. way, ways that I that I that I think about the world um, and I think it also works thematically like I think that it's always clear like even if what's actually happening on screen isn't entirely clear in the film the first time you watched it maybe it feels like what the film is saying in the broadest possible sense is reasonably coherent mm. right yeah. yes it is um, I felt this was a very coherent watch through for yeah. me I was like yeah yeah, I get yeah. it. I know what's happening <laughs> I'm at all any the given apps. moment. Yeah. You know? um, but so, Graham, yeah. what, do you think that this movie belongs on the list of the 200 greatest movies ever made? Yeah, and, you know, uh, Marianne's kind of said it best. What it did to the landscape cannot be... It can, cannot be understated. It cannot be overstated enough. Sorry. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. Like, it did... Like, I don't think... I honestly think that if... Uh, and this could be hyperbole. Uh, I honestly think that... Um, if Akira didn't do well, I don't think anime as a as a as a pop culture would not have reached the West if it hadn't done as well as it did. If it hadn't hit as hard as it had when it came to America, when it came to the UK, uh, because people adored it. Like it, I, I think there's a lot of actors uh, who are um, who I would know and like uh, are in a lot of films that I watch, TV shows, and that. I don't think they'd have jobs right now. And I've talked to some of them who've who were part of this film in in, in minor roles, and that. And they said it was incredible. We were flying at the seats of our pants. No one really understood what anime was at the time. Um, and when we recorded this, we didn't know. Like we didn't know what it was going to do. Um, and it's it's just incredible. I think yeah. If this film hadn't done it, I don't think anime would have gotten into the West like it is now. Like it's it's the, like anime is huge here. Not as big, obviously, as Japan. But it's like there's a there's a generational thing where I I, I just don't know it's 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 a bit mad to think. It's worth noting, film. by the way, that like anime in two thousand and two accounted for sixty percent of Japan's cinematic export. Uh, it should be noted as well that in Japan in nineteen eighty eight, Akira was the highest grossing film, outgrossing the Japanese re- dub or subtitle version of Return of the Jedi, um, which is outstanding as well. Also worth noting that directors Steven Spielberg and George Lucas while both impressed by Akira, uh, declined to actually bring it to the States because they thought that it wouldn't have an impact whatsoever. <laughs> but it's interesting that, like, the film's impact... And again, you, you were talking about this, the animators who were inspired by it. Yeah. It was famously, like, even the manga itself was adapted by Marvel's epic imprint. Mm-hmm. So at the same time that you were having works, like, for example, over at DC, you were having, like, Alan Moore's V for Vendetta, which we covered two weeks ago... And his version of Watchmen, which I don't think we'll be covering at all. Oh. Uh, you had those coming out and you had them sort of like changing the landscape. You also had companies like Dark Horse uh, and Marvel like printing manga versions of this as well and getting that out into the world. Like there's there are people who work at those companies now yeah. who credit not the American superhero boom, but the explosion of Akira yeah. in terms of animation and manga for, for being there. Yeah, it's a huge. The impact is, is astounding. And even like, you know, it was shown in art institutes and the like, you know, it was really positioned as a piece of art, which I think 
did a lot for the genre's kind of credibility yeah. over here. Like, this isn't some, like, kind of, uh, like, niche Japanese obsession. Like, this is, um, you know, has worldwide mm. kind of appeal and also, what's the word, um... Relevance, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it is art as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely as, is as, as well. It kind of like being uh, positioned as such. Mm. Like yeah. they, they, the animation quality yeah. is standing. We're probably going to talk more even, later on. Even but. like the, the 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 way the way it treats kind of these um, Theme uh, uh, complicated themes in in yeah in 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 a way that like you just simply do not see done in the same way um yeah and in 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 any other yeah. medium and any other work of art i say from the mid 80s to the early 90s a lot of anime came out of japan that really shaped our shaped the landscape of film and tv and i think it subtly shaped what we some of us watch now these days like you have ghost in the shell you have this you have um you know, Nausicaa led the way for Ghibli to come. I, I just think it's it was a bit of a wild uh, couple of years. It was. And I mean, again, like I, myself and Andrew had not like we hadn't seen this before. No. I was watching it and thinking, I have seen bits of this before, mm-hmm. which is remarkable. Like, I mean, yeah. in terms of like you want to talk about a footprint and the, the impact <laughs> that's had. But what about yourself, Andrew? So would do you think that this belongs on a list of the 250 best movies? Ever Absolutely. Made? I know. I, I was usually impressed um uh by this movie and i uh, i liked it an awful lot i can see how one way you could maybe criticize <laughs> it is by by saying that this is so 250 this is as very in, 250. yeah as in it's very kind of um, young angry man. young angry teenage boy yeah. sort of sort of stuff but i think it, it it deals with that in an interesting way mm. i was about to suggest that that's maybe why it bounces in and, in and out of the top and well for two reasons one is that it isn't attached to like a director that has a lot of movies like if My you don't mm. yeah if you don't have um you know, so it's maybe missing out on that kind, the, the kind of fanboy votes, yeah. basically, of like, we just love this so much. Yeah. And, we, and we want like all this person's movies to be in the 250. But also, it's possible that even though it is very like, uh, like teenage boy driven, maybe it's too close to home. <laughs> Like for a lot of, yeah. like you know, a lot of guys are like, no, I don't like, it. I don't like that. Like, no, listen, I've got Sasuke and Naruto. I'm fine. Yeah, because yeah, like, um, Canada, like comes across like an idiot oh, really like there is just no like like and reads like extremely like as a 16 year old boy you're like yes absolutely very believable right but i think it is a weird confluence where it's like yeah he's got a cool bike and a cool jacket and like but he's so dumb he's, <laughs> he's like yeah. you know just so dumb <laughs> like, but like so, how he moves is just amazing. Just, yeah, but like, yeah, it's like he's so good at parkour, but so thick. Like, you know, it's, so maybe there's like a level of that of like yeah. guys watching it being like, oh, he's really thick. And also mm. I'm not good at parkour. So what am I identifying with here? Like his timing <laughs> is down to a fine science. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. quite like Fight Club where at least Tyler Durden takes down capitalism because he's so righteous, man. Mm. It's like, this guy has a bike. Yeah. Yeah, um, so maybe that's it. I don't know. But also, nobody wants to be Tetsu. Yeah. No also, one wants to be Tetsu. Also, I, think I don't it's... know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like, I, I felt like I, the person I associated most with was Tetsu. 
Sure, and maybe yeah, that's... Yeah, most guys want to be Canada. Yeah, that's also an issue yeah, as well. Yeah, because, sorry, it's like... No, no. The, like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not the one to speak on this, but, like, <laughs> young man nerd rage. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, again, maybe that's, like, a bit, like, too close to home. It's like, oh, this is the logical conclusion mm. of all that anger. Like, you actually... Like, you don't get to be the hero. I, I, I'll <laughs> say it. Everyone wants to be Canada. Most of the time, you're Tetsuo. That's, that's honestly how it is. And everyone's you like, think, ooh. Like, no, if you think about it, you're like, oh, I want to be the cool guy with the cool bike. Like, he parkours. Like, Tetsuo like, wants yeah, to be Canada. Yeah, Tetsuo yeah. wants to be Canada. Uh, but the real fact is, you're probably Tetsuo with a friend who is taller, you know, better built, and he helps you out of situations. It, it builds Graham, a, I feel like you're talking it about builds an internal la- it, it builds internal rage. And unfortunately, unlike Tetsuo, or fortunately, you are not given godlike powers. So that situation, you know, yeah. that's a fa- I guarantee you that's a fantasy. And I say that because it kind of might be mine. <laughs> I think it is like, yeah, it is. And also it's just definitely like it is a challenging movie in a way that maybe a lot of the 250 kind of. What did you have a name for these people who are like must vote on this thing? Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's a sound effect. <laughs> She's giving an audible sound, sound effect. Of one hand yes, voting. That, that is true. Do you have a name for them? We don't. Okay. Because uh, I don't want to keep saying those people. It sounds really. It sounds awful. Re- reviewers? Yeah. I mean, that's really what they're technically called. I, I suspect I you're talking we, about, say, the Reddit or 4chan crowd. Well, I'm, I'm we're, sure. we're often kind of reductive enough to, reductive. To, to say, kind of like, um, uh, white 30 something men like us. <laughs> Um, when when we're trying to kind of oh, classify God, the now. normal IMDb voter, but I don't, I don't, well, I don't, look, I don't think that's fair. I think I think actually, like if you go into the voting num- figures for each type, right. you can see it's broken down by gender and it is broken down by age. Yes. and there is a swell in that sort of twenty-four to thirty-six-year-old right. group. Uh, what's interesting though is that like when you go in and you look at the rage votes, for example, <laughs> like the the rage votes around say Captain Marvel or Black Panther. What's interesting is that that tends to skew older and male significantly. So, like, there's apparently a lot of sixty over sixty men who have very strong feelings about Black Panther. Wow! Four weeks before it opens, which is a fascinating phenomenon. That's fascinating because how do they know how to use the laptops? That's that's very. Says more about you. Fine, you know what? They're racist. I'm allowed to be ageist. (laughs) Sixty-year-olds are our parents. Like they're not Not like. like, um, Well. yeah, well, sorry. that doesn't make any assumptions sorry, about sorry, your sorry. parents. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Six-year-olds aren't, Graham's like, old Graham's parents people. are 12. 54. <laughs> we don't know Yeah, so that. they're, like, uh, they're heading there. Yeah, you they're, know, heading. Like, they're, they're looking all right. Let's just... Anyway, let's defeat this by asking the next question, which is, Marianne, would this be on your own personal list of 250? Because I know, again, you don't have one. No, and I think it would be anyway, even if... It, on this non-existent, <laughs> on this non-existent. Just day. I just love the question, Darren, because it implies that everyone has a top 250 <laughs> You're on a desert okay. island, quite a big desert <laughs> island. Yes, you have a library. <laughs> the library can um, only hold 250 discs. I think it would be like on that rewatch. You know, I think for me it's a difficult movie. Like it's a hard movie to watch. I'm not. Like I don't think I'm ever like great. Like let's watch Akira again. Um, <laughs> Which was great but, this morning, by the way. Like, you really sent, like, positive energy our way when you were like, so, I have donuts for Akira? And you're like, I don't think Akira's going to be a donut film. I didn't say that at all. That mm-hmm. might have been Graham. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely me. I, I have um, issues with eating and stuff happening. Yeah. You're allowed to put donuts in our mouth, but not words. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, a lot of stuff happened mm-hmm. in that movie, definitely, that uh, isn't necessarily nice to compliment with donuts. No, but, um, any type of food. But yeah, no, I think it would well, be... Well, we all like donuts? And you bite into us, the jam just oozes uh, out. Anyway, okay. sorry. I definitely would put it um, on in, like the column of my list that's developing that's like you know <laughs> challenging but important mm-hmm. and right. uh and just to like save us some time i would also recommend that everyone sees it oh, so, oh wow, wow. Look, again on look at her improving the site i oh, have uh, great memories of last week oh, yes. <laughs> um, since we're doing a two for yeah, now would it be on your own list and would you recommend that people pause the podcast well, run out and watch it I mean it? it's a no brainer uh, it's I definitely recommend it everyone I think needs to see Akira I do love the it's, description of Akira as a no brainer it's a no I, some <laughs> of the characters by the time so, the movie's done with it's them it's so I think it's just it's so important especially if you're getting into anime if you're getting into that kind of genre it's it's so important um, I know what I would be like if I hadn't seen uh, Akira and like, what would I be like as an anime fan if I'd only just seen it now? Um, as for my two fifty, no, I don't think I could read. It's one of those films that you enjoy watching, but it's it's kind of like some people have this thing with certain films, like um, oh, what's it, the Jared Leto film? The oh, oh uh, yes, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. You oh, can yeah. watch it. You've seen it. You don't want to watch it again because it is dark, heavy, and it hurts. Uh, I can watch this. I, it's it's been fourteen, maybe fifteen years since I've seen it. I think I could do another fifteen or so years before watching it again. It is a good film. Sorry, it's a great film, but no, I don't need it to be in my two fifty. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, that movie Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, on the two fifty. Of course. Why? <laughs> Are you serious? You, of course it is. Did it's just, so two fifty. Did we just go? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I love that we turned so fifty. <laughs> it's it, a thing now. Did it just go in while we were talking? <laughs> As Graham said that. It's, yeah. Been, yeah. Like, um, it's like monkey paw situation. <laughs> I never want to watch that movie again. It's like a monkey paw on its computer just being like So Andrew, yeah. would the movie make your own two fifty and would you recommend people pause the podcast, run out and watch it? <laughs> I think so, with the caveat that it is. Wait, we can have caveats. Uh, yeah, that that is that it's um, that it, that it, that is quite a violent movie. Um, there's um, it's, yeah, not suitable for kids. I know that no, yeah. you shouldn't Love need to say that about an animated film, but some people people make assumptions. Yeah, I mean, without without going into too many details, it's um, it's it's violent. It has kind of um, if a uh, um. The certificate of the start kind of, says, was it graphic violence and yeah, brief, it's, like it's brief nudity? It's but the, the brief nudity is quite kind of upsetting in yeah. itself. Yeah. It's not kind of like brief nudity that somebody who's like a Puritan <laughs> doesn't want. Like, it's not kind of uh, cover up Janet Jackson type brief nudity. It's. it's, it's, it's <laughs> oh my God. It's, uh, um, That's an interesting yeah, level. Where's that? It's uh, it, it it's it, it it is upsetting stuff is what mm. I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, um. Uh, and um. I. I would. I. W- I don't know if I'd recommend people watch it, even though it would be. I. I wanted to be on the two fifty, and I wanted to be on my own two fifty. Um. I like. I really kind of um identified with this, but it it's it there there's there's a lot of kind of like psychotic and kind of psychedelic imagery mm. um in it in it that that's um yeah like it's it's, it's a, it's a challenging process. watch yeah it's a yeah. lot to process yeah yeah all right with that in mind then we might segue da- darren yes 
What about you? Right about you. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you forget about yourself in the podcast? Uh, but yes. So uh, do I think it belongs on the 250? I believe it does. Interesting question is, I'm not sure how I would rank it in terms of the big three anime movies in 1988, assuming that we don't have places for all three. Let's assume that we do and move on. Would it be on my own personal 250? Probably not. I'm really glad that I saw it. I will probably see it again at some point. But it just... it. Is a very unpleasant movie um, in certain respects. Oh. No, 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 I like it. I like it a lot. I admire it and I respect it. It's just, it, uh, it is a very unpleasant It'll movie. It'll stay with you. Um, and would I recommend that you watch it? Uh, yes, if you think you have the sort of like stamina or if you're in the right mood for it based on what we've described so far. So if the idea of a little bit of graphic violence doesn't put you off or the idea of that sort of exploration of like that really deep and uncomfortable exploration of sort of teenage uncertainty and angst, particularly like masculine teenage insecurity and angst, doesn't like put you off or doesn't make you uncomfortable, give it a go. Um, I, yeah, mm. and a very, very, uh, I think like kind of strong kind of um, uh, thoughts of oblivion, mm. both, both, both like kind of global and personal yeah. um, in, in, in this movie. They look so into like, the void in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the way it doesn't just stare back so much as like swallow. <laughs> yeah. So the, the um which 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 I think like is why I like this movie so much. Yeah. Because they, 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 they not that many movies do that effectively. Yeah. Because there are, there are, there are, like um tons of kind of horror movies say. Yeah. Would you classify this as horror that, then? There's a lot in I this would, that reflects a like, horror movie. Yeah. Like, I was actually thinking this, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't classify it as that. But I think it does what horror movies try to do. Yeah. Better than a lot of <laughs> horror movies can. Because this is That's very amazing. much kind yeah. of like well, a sci-fi. It, it, yeah, it fits into the sci-fi horror, mm. like yeah. Alien or something. And body you know, horror, you know, in that kind of uh, genre. Yeah. 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 Genre. <laughs> but I, I think I think like it does it, it it articulates fears that aren't kind of contingent on anything being uh, different from the world we're living in now. Yeah, almost despite the, yeah. the world itself of this, being a constant, yeah, yeah, despite this being like in like the, the, the twenty one years from now, yeah, like twenty nineteen, the distant future, twenty nineteen, <laughs> yeah, the distant future. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, and I understand that. And that's kind of what I'm getting at there. Because we talked on the podcast before about how Darren tends to gravitate away from like grim, dark, nihilistic, cynical sort of like things. Where like Kubrick is a director who I admire greatly, but I probably wouldn't consider him to be like somebody I'd stick on when I'm looking for a good movie. Right. Um, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, this would be very much be part of that. So yeah, so uh, we'll be back in a moment on the other side of the spoiler zone. his own so Graham what is Akira about for you I'm genuinely making that face that that, that tattoo makes when he first starts using his powers <laughs> You know, um, and the veins starts to, to show up. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, no. Blood starts running from um, Darren's nose. On, honestly, I mean, it's... Or could Andrew describe it as an evil James Lipton? <laughs> <laughs> Did I? <laughs> oh, that gave me more time. Uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, okay, here we go. I'll try to do this as competently as possible. Uh, I believe that this film is about a lack of control 
uh, about how humanity feels about uh, lack of control and how it's, it focuses on how these teenagers feel about how they have no control over what's going on in their lives, no matter how hard they try. Um, they're trying to, like, it, it doesn't help that they're in a, like, basically what is a third world country. Um, Neo-Tokyo is not doing well. Um, they live a terrible life, day to day, it seems. And then one of them actually gets the opportunity. The one who was the most downtrodden gets the opportunity to, in a sense, take t- true control away from everyone else and have it in the in his own hand and make changes. But he he squanders it because of the most selfless, boyish reasons. Because he wants to feel powerful, and that's what it felt for me. I I mean, it hits close to home because. As someone who was bullied as a child, I can imagine that happening to anyone. Like, yeah, it's fantasy, but that's the point of fantasy. That's the point of sci-fi, especially, to put a kind of fantastical uh, mirror on our real lives so that we can look at it and go, maybe we need to be better. And that's that's what Akira is to me. And I think it took two films, two sorry, two watching view, two viewings, and fifteen years spacing them out to I think completely understand that. Yeah, it, there's a there's a lot of that in there. In fact, like it's it's kind of interesting because obviously we will probably talk about the Japanese context of the film later on. But in terms of, it's amazing how it looks and feels from the lens of 2019, in which the film is set. Uh, <laughs> but it looks very much like a superhero movie to a certain extent, yeah. where you have like there's a moment where Tetsu actually puts on a cape. Uh, at one point and flies off into space in order to like attack a satellite but it's very much done that's something that looks almost like something from Superman and it's interesting that this was happening around the same time do you wonder Man of Steel maybe took that I suspect it was a well here's the thing Um, it was happening around the same time mid 80s as Alan Moore over in uh, the UK Mm. was doing stuff with say Miracle Man Uh, which has a very similar arc about an abused young boy who suddenly finds himself having superpowers and turns London into a graveyard using those powers. It's one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever read. It's also not an entirely inaccurate criticism of certain trends within, say, the superhero sort of fandom and fantasy and power Mm. fantasy involved in it. And it's kind of interesting in that it, it, it does that. And it's kind of like, we were talking a little bit about the intersection of horror and science fiction, like, a large part of it is that horror genre of, well, the kids are kind of screwed, and if the kids are screwed, we're all screwed too. But it's doing that through the lens of that power fantasy, which, while I'm not entirely sure that superheroes were, like, the point of reference at the time, feels almost like a reference now. It's like, this is your angry young man reading comic books and dreaming of having that sort of power. It's definitely aged well. And and you're right when you say, like, obviously it was an influence on Chronicle, which is much more overtly superheroic. Mm. But even things like the Man of Steel stuff that Zack Snyder is doing, where it's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> look at like look at the leveling of this sort of destruction playing into this masculine power fantasy that's really, really uncomfortable. And yeah. I think uh, feeding into like what we discussed before about maybe why this has a really um, interesting contentious relationship. relationship with the 250, because um, I think Graham's point like hit the nail on the head in terms of kind oh, of what's at the core of this movie. But what I find really interesting is that Tetsu, Tetsu, Tetsuo, like there's never any, 
you know how like you get these superhero movies where someone has a power that they can't control and it's always like their best friend or someone they love being like I'll get through to you and like they have a moment where they come back to themselves and they're like help I can't control it and whatever you know but there's like depending on whether it happens or not there's always like a kind of a chance that maybe you can still reach this Mm. person and with Tetsuo it's really interesting and it's net because he never has a moment where it's like oh someone's going to be able to get through to him he just immediately goes power mad (laughs) and you're like and it's like that's because it's not this like abstract power that's making him do this this is him. Yeah. This is who he would be and who maybe a lot of us would be mm. if we suddenly found that we were in possession of godlike powers. Yeah. You know, especially as a teenager yeah. when, um, you know, you're at the center of everything and you're very angry. <laughs> and you have the power to literally yeah. make yourself like, the center so, of And I think, yeah. th- and they do a really good job. And like, I love the dynamic with him and Canada because like, it's so clear that like, Canada is so ill-equipped to like get through just like every time he has a moment where he's like has a chance to talk him down he's like Tetsuo you're always such a little Tetsuo (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't be antagonizing you yeah (laughs) it's a really great moment where he finds Tetsuo who now has the power of a god and has torn apart an Olympic stadium and he decides to climb to the top of the rubble and say ha I thought I'd find you up here crying like yeah. a little girl. Yeah, like... I, I think that's part of um, uh, Canada's power, though. Yeah, he's yeah. brilliant. Like, he yeah. is so... Like, he doesn't... Um, like, I love it because it's such a real friendship. Yeah. Like, this is how teenage boys act. He's, yeah. There's no way he's going to have the emotional intelligence <laughs> to be like, oh, I should, like, be trying to diffuse this. Yeah. And, like, there's no kind of... What's the word? Um like idealism about their friendship as children it's like oh these were two kids having the worst time being thrown together and that's really their bond and you know there's not some kind of deeper they're bonding about being human beings yeah there's no not kind of some like deeper more meaningful like friendship in there somewhere it's just sad yeah i I love the line in it um hey um uh (laughs) Tetsuo is our friend. If anyone gets to kill him, it <laughs> should be us. us. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I mean, there's a scene where he like literally like uh, Tetsuo has lost his arm and he's on the ground and he's like, uh, "This is Canada's." Like, oh, he's gonna go to him. He's gonna, he's gonna like go. Oh man, are you okay? Instead, he's walking up and he's picking up a rock, <laughs> a big rock that he can't properly lift. Going Tetsuo, and he's about to drop it when that laser again shows up. He's like, "Oh crap." Yeah, it's. Re- I just think it's so great that they don't do any of the like. I'm gonna try and get mm. through. through Which they could have back like, then. They could have. Kaneda has like fully decided that he's like, nope, my friend has gone bananas, <laughs> and we need to get rid of him. And that's the end. Maybe of it. he was bananas all along. Yeah. I, do, I do love that Kaneda's arc is like, I really want to get laid, so I gotta deal with this first. <laughs> yeah, that puts a very teenage boy mentality. Um, I think I think that's most of um, uh, Canada's motivation. Motivation. We're now mispronouncing <laughs> English words. Too. I think I think that's motive is. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you think that's a large part of what makes his character tick? Exactly. There you go. Um, because there's there's a line earlier on where uh, Kai says uh, the lengths uh, men will go to, uh, skirt chasers oh, yeah. will go to these these days. I feel like the whole kind of like. 
Kaneda as like the, the person standing up to Tetsuo. It's all a, like, <laughs> I guess this is what I have to do. Um, and, like, I've never had sex perfect, before, but it better be worth it. That made perfect sense to me. Yeah. It, it's There's like, an 80s comedy version of this film that could like have been like with Corey Haynes and Corey Feldman. That could have been made with that music. You just just imagine them doing the voices. And like he wanted to get laid, but his best friend became a super superhero, super monstrous god, and he had to kill him. That like that, that, that feels like an eighties film they'd have made. I can see the speakers, the boombox already. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, it's there is something very honest about its portrayal of that sort of teenage anger and the complete inability to deal with that teenage anger as well. Which is kind of interesting when you connect it to a power fantasy because we are so used to seeing those power fantasies in modern cinema, but like rarely with, even in like Chronicle, for example, which mm. which is you know an extension of this or the American version of this. Even within that, there's like <laughs> the level of destruction and violence and grotesquery on display and pettiness on display is nothing compared to that. It still feels like it's uncomfortable gazing into the same abyss. If that makes sense. But I I I think as well. Um, there's an interesting thing to be said about kind of um, uh, what what is happening to Tetsuo and how he is kind of how how he is losing himself mm. because uh, like all of the kind of scenes where he's in he's in the um, he's in his room and he's having like a fever and he's being being given all of this medicine and then there are these kind of like toys appearing yeah. and, <laughs> and trying um, to murder him and 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 trying to murder him all of that stuff kind of uh, was really kind of um uh, spoke to me like 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 in 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 the sense of like if if you're if you're having um that kind of experience you start to feel um uh like a strange kind of connection with uh with 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 the universe if that makes sense well, it does feel like the entire universe is literally out to get you to mm. a certain extent well no 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 not 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 just that there, there there's 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 a weird sort of um i don't know if you call it like kind of like like um megalomania or but but oh. but with with kind of like extra kind of um, um, abnormal kind of psychological experiences, where um, even even the sorts of things that, that 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 people go through, kind of like in these kind of like guided ayahuasca kind of experiences, oh, yeah, and yeah. that that they um, can um, connect. You mean when they with... go to the acid lake? Yeah, yeah. So there's different kind of like versions of that. There's there 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 are the kind of yeah, exactly the uh, um, <laughs> acid lake, but there there's there's the versions where you're um, kind of connecting with um, very with, with with what you think are very kind of powerful forces and powerful truths, um, and then there is the version with that where just everything is terrifying, mm-hmm. and and the walls are kind of um, uh, peeling away and melting, and uh, things in the room that are small are big, and things in the room that are big are small. Time is slowing down, and all of these sorts of Dilations, kind of, uh, or, yeah, things yeah. are happening. I appreciate that this isn't maybe something that 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 yeah, or 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 that a lot of people might have a reference uh, frame of reference for. But it, it it was it was as if it, it's 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 weird to see that in a movie because it's such a kind of um, 
ineffable kind of incomprehensible sort of thing personal where you, yeah like, where you, feeling you, to actually feel like but to, it, it, to show off to 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 have i i guess like um a a connection with something that that is kind of like beyond sort of like um a language and you, do you feel that there, there, there is this weird kind of outlook in the movie where the mind is connected almost to the, the, the like they, you have the scientists talking about kind of like this is physics, this is yeah. science. Like I probably the sound, universe and stuff. sound like a crazy person, no, but no, no. but that that people have these kind of like moments of of of, of sort of like enlightenment or yeah. that they've unlocked some um, like they they well, I mean, they, the, the, they the talk top, about kind of giving yeah, giving an amoeba. The power of like of a, a human man, being, of a man, yeah. But it, it's it like it, it's it's trying to say that like it's it's given a man some sort of kind of uh, window or door yeah, into well, into something very powerful well, and unusual. Yeah. Well, I mean, the film's not not exactly sort of uh, it's not abstract on that point. Like, there's the no. moment at the end, like where the scientist compares like Tetsuo's literal collapse into himself as the equivalent of the birth of a new universe. Mm. But even the closing sequence, just before right. the credits, where it's I am Tetsuo, looks like something like the Stargate sequence from 2001 A Space Odyssey. But it example. is literally the birth of a new universe. Like, mm. that's what happens at the end. Mm. Yeah. Tetsuo becomes the new Akira of this new universe yeah. that is formed. And that's what I think is really interesting about this film. And you're talking about, like, these um, hallucinogenic experiences that he has. Except they're not hallucinating. Yeah. No, they're, no. they're, they're literalized. Yeah. They're, and I think it it's must, kids being it must be in the dub because it's something I remember from like one time I've seen it. And I think it must be in the dub where one of the kids says, oh, we use these forms to protect ourselves. Yeah, because that like, never comes up in this. Yeah, that I I I, I, remember I think that's that. the same. Yeah, they use it to like scare people away. Yeah, it's like it, it's like we use this to defend ourselves. You know, so is this the way they look? Is it the, the appearances or the? No, I mean they uh, are these little withered yeah. children. Yeah. But the, the when the they use the like bear the... and the rabbit oh, okay, as yeah, yeah. these kind of projections, because people yeah. are terrified of that to keep <laughs> to keep themselves safe. And I think it's very it, like this movie has a really great understanding that like the mind and the body aren't separate things, yeah. which I think is like it's really interesting if you take something like X Men that has all these like super powerful psychics that often like lose control of their powers and could end the universe, right? But you never really see a physical manifestation, manifestation of that, or like apart from like maybe like loads of stuff flying around in the Oof. air. But obviously, like the very famous uh, cumulative scene of Akira is Tetsuo losing control of his body and his mind simultaneously. And it's like a very like grotesque and horrible expression of that. But what's really interesting is that when you go back to that scientist character, who's just like in his little cabin, like looking at, looking at the projection, what this energy is taking the form of the, of, Tetsuo's weirdly like inflated grotesque yeah. body it almost looks like a baby but yeah exactly but it's like the energy and the body have become the same thing mm. yeah. that like energy isn't some abstract force it is like the lit- his literal physical form that has now is straining to kind of uh, be contained or no anything. not be contained but to give form to this energy yeah, yeah because yeah. understand what it is yet yeah it's really interesting like and I don't know but like compared to like a lot of like in like western superhero stuff like it's so different from our typical understanding of like ooh psychic mind powers or yeah. whatever 
is right. a very kind of abstract, separate. Like you might have a bit of a headache or something. Yeah, but nosebleed. Yeah, shot of stars. A lot of, yeah. lot of fingers to the temples. Yeah, like the the whole kind of pottery flying, as you pointed out. <laughs> the whole giant baby squeezy monster thing was. Is that very, down as a note? It was, Yeah, it was. It was. It was very kind of. Marianne's um, policy has ensured that uh, Andrew's notes are strictly above board. It mm. does say giant baby squeezy monster again, was, but in the note. The independent UK it was very kind it. of evocative of the sense that. Um, your um, uh, mind isn't kind of like uh, working as 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 normal. And yeah, it's this, not working in tandem. Yeah, but but that there is this whole kind of world that ha- that 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 is completely different to the kind of normal kind of categories and modes that we use to 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 kind of understand things. Mm. And that one, once once that kind of um, if there's any sort of like break in that. All of a sudden, uh, r- reality is very difficult to describe. Mm. So it becomes this kind of giant, uh, monstrous sort of like Lovecraftian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In terms of Western yeah. references, like, yeah. I, uh, when I, I say this, when I saw it the first time, but that has never left my mind. When I saw when I saw Kyrie Kerry um, get sucked into him and then get, uh, I I've never lost that image has never left my mind. I, terrifying. You know, when, you know when you you know when your mind wanders. Sometimes my mind waters and goes, "Hey, Akira!" Oh, I love like, the that's idea. Literally, I love like, the idea. There's a little door in Graham's brain, and it's just <laughs> occasionally the train of thought just stops right on by there. Um, yep, she's a sad character. Oh, she deserves oh, none of that. Sad. She was so nice yeah. to him. But and I think it's the, a, even earlier in the movie with the with the with the clowns. Yes, I think it's a very interesting and again very grim uh, portrayal of uh, the attitude that. Um, teenage boys can take to women yeah. and also like of like misogyny in society in general because obviously she's his tattoo's girlfriend or yeah. something like they obviously have an she ex- cares about yeah, she cares can, but he yeah. also says let's run away together so there's obviously like a pre-existing relationship there mm. but then like she's almost raped yep um right. she's sexually assaulted Beaten. and then she's punched in the face but Tetsuo's reaction to that is like get away from, from me from the bike and also because, get away from the bike and also because because it's almost like you've been like a part of my humiliation yeah. like you're right. the fact that you about him. yeah but the fact that you've been hurt like is it's like, like him. it denigrates, me, yeah. it denigrates yeah. my reputation and then he at the end like again is like reaching out for her love and her care and wants her him her to help him but Literally, literally swallows her has no idea what to do with that has no idea yeah. how to like reach out to her without destroying her yeah. and, and with, without yeah, actually consuming what's, her what's, what's kind of even worse like the film is focusing on hurting her is three, three, two other people are sucked into him they get away both times I like mean, it's Canada a, and the yeah. Colonel are also sucked in two that, times it, it and they get away but it's a very pointed observation I mean like this is very much a movie about young men and it's very telling that when the three kids decide to imbue another person with power in order to like confront uh, Tetsuo it's very telling that they don't go with Canada despite the fact that Canada is nominally the protagonist of the film mm-hmm. he serves that function like no we're gonna go with uh, Kai she seems much more yeah. kind of a head on her shoulders actually I've always wondered this and maybe you guys can help me out with this how does Tetsuo gain access to his abilities is it because he just knocked into Takeshi no, it's because when they take him away, yeah. 
they, I don't know, they, I guess they're like, we'll do some like nominal scans and they discovered this energy signature. Oh, that's so it. So then they start giving him drugs to try and awaken okay. and they're like, oh, he's going to be our new subject. Yeah. Okay. I've always wondered. Yeah. I've always they, was like, how did that happen? Well, they, it suggested they that also everybody suggest can that, that Oh, it, everyone that has it, a that it might have had something yeah. to do with the uh, yeah. crash as well. What did you guys think? Oh, that he, like yeah. knocking into number 26 might yeah, have yeah. like... So yeah. Takeshi, yeah. come on, come on, Takeshi. Takeshi. He has a name. They are people. <laughs> come um, on, poor Takeshi. But yeah, no, they have like Akira's power exists within everyone. everyone. It's yeah. Akira yeah. as well, so it's it's and, very. And yeah, that that that. Kind what did you guys think? Can I ask that kind you of two? Part of it spoke, what, spoke to me. Yeah. As well. What did you two think? What were you thinking? One question: What were you thinking was in that vault? And two: What did you think when you saw what was in the vault? You know that it was marked Kira. One one thing that bothered me was that it. it um, I really enjoyed that they spoke about Kelvin because it's, <laughs> it's the best temperature, temperature scale, scale. It makes sense and zero. it's Irish, yeah. guaranteed Irish. Um, it makes sense because it starts from zero. Yeah. yeah, they were like, "It's 118 degrees Kelvin." I was like, "I have no idea what that means, but it looks cold." <laughs> at, at so track po- 276, right? At one point, they said, "Kind of like this room is 0.00005." Kelvin. Um, mm-hmm. Kelvin. Yeah. Like zero Kelvin is impossible. It's it's the 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 I I guess temperature like of coat of universe like kind of those, yeah. those um, were some good coats. Yeah. <laughs> those yeah. were some fancy ass coats. That's what I was thinking. No, but I was just I'm just wondering like what did you guys think was he did you think there was another child in there frozen? And when you saw what was in there, were you like, oh, it's a bunch of... Uh. Well, no, it, it seemed quite clear. I didn't know that it was going to be a bunch of like little jars containing bits of Akira. But it was quite clear that like by that point in the film, you've got a movie called Akira. People have been talking about Akira a lot. The way the movie's going, in particular like subverting your expectations and being like, well, isn't this power fantasy horrible? It wasn't going to be like, well, Akira's here now. Everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting it to be Akira. I was expecting it to be empty or a corpse or a skeleton or something like mm. that. But uh, yeah, so yeah. You, know, you know, my little mind, my young mind was thinking that it was going to be like, oh, it's another kid and it's going to want to fight yeah. Tetsu. That's what my little child mind thought that's... when I was 16. I was like, it's going to be awesome. And it's like, I think oh, it's a bunch of jars. That's what I'm trying to subvert. That's what I think yeah. was subverting. Because I mean, it's very much set up to make you think that. But, like, everything else in the movie has been like, well, screw your expectations. Um, I do love the way, though, it, again, plays into this theme of, like, the mind and the body are the same thing. It's like that the kids could still invoke Akira just because, like, from the sum of his parts, literally. It's like, no, he's still here. Like, they have preserved him. I like that. Hi, Akira. Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But just, um, actually, in terms of this, it's worth talking about. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff involving kids in there right down to uh, Takeshi and Professor Extra Small is what I'm going to call him with his little floating wheelchair oh I don't know what his Ma- name Masuri? is Masuri? Masuri and then there's Kikiro uh, Kikiri Kyoko I met the actress who Masari. voiced her oh, right. the, yeah, she's very nice she, she, was, she was lovely her name's uh, 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 Lex Lang Lex Lang is her name and she is so nice and she said it was so much fun doing the dub for that she said it was absolutely brilliant she loved playing that character thought it was very interesting and yeah she said it was wild playing that role just being in that kind of uh, environment at that time with anime but yeah it kind of like the, the film sort of captures that sense of like being young and abandoned mm. there's this really strong theme that runs through the movie in terms of like kids who have been abandoned there's a moment where, like where Tetsu flashes back and it's like 
He's, he's been abandoned. Look at him. Which is one of those great like animated <laughs> film lines where it's like, well, I guess we're just throwing that in the dump then. It's like, uh, just in case you don't get the point. But even things like the idea of the colonel as a failed sort of impotent figure. But even the idea I, that... Like, I, sorry, the, go on ahead. But even like the idea that Tetsuo is so starved for like male role models. And I like, kind of loved this early in the film. And it became increasingly comedic as the film went on in a very black bleak we're all gonna die sort of way but like Tetsuo was so starved for masculine like idealized figures that he was like yeah guess Kanita that's what a real man looks like <laughs> uh, where he's like yeah. same age yeah what no no but not even that like Kanita's a terrible like role model yeah it's like it's not even that like he's a bad role model in terms of like bad influence he's just a Disaster. It's like imagine imagine your fantasy being I wanna be that kid on his motorbike. Well I I think like if he if he were able to find something honourable um that like mattered to him as much as like eventually scoring um (laughs) Kai uh, Kai, (laughs) then he would he would be a great person. <laughs> you know, well, he right. just needs to redeem himself. He, in that yeah. one well, thing. He, needs he just needs being... to change his entire kind of. No, he uh... just needs to stop being sixteen, which he will be. Well, yeah, which he will because yeah, he exactly, survived yeah. the film. Um, I do think. I was we... wondering why he survived the yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do think we could. Uh, Darren hasn't asked me, but uh, no. if um, what is the film about? For me, I feel like we could rename it to The Colonel Has a Very Bad Day at Work. (laughs) (laughs) It just goes from bad to worse. He seems to be like the only person who's like in any way competent in terms of like whatever about his motives. At least he's like, he's like, this is the plan. I'm doing my job. He likes the kids. Does he like the kids? Yes. Let's let's minimize the casualties. Seems to be like the theme, which is as good as you're going to get. I do love that he wanders around with his teeth constantly gritted even like not even like when he's like getting dressed down or having to deal with people he doesn't work with like even when he's like walking through the corridors his teeth are gritted like he's he really looks like he maybe needs a laxative. He's very uh, stressed. He's yeah. ready for action. He's ready for action. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> there's never a moment where you is there a moment where you can't see his teeth? It's very yes, disconcerting. Yes, yes, okay. but it's, it's always if you don't if it's if it's a moment where you don't see his teeth, his mouth is very pointed. Yes, <laughs> I love that line where the the, the uh, there, there's there's the kind of like um, a, a corrupt I think maybe businessman on, yeah. on oh, the Nezu, Nezu. council yeah. who's who's like. Um, Oh no, it's the colonel. I didn't think the colonel would take up arms. <laughs> 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 it's like, I've underestimated oh. me. It turns out this colonel has taken up arms against forces. me. You know, the yeah. youngest member of the whole Supreme Executive Council who clearly has a lot of gumption. Uh, I, 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 I like the, 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 he hand that line as well. Um, um, uh, where 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 he, he, he was talking about like how how he's different from um, the the other other um, kind of members of the executive council, and how he's different from the scientists. Yeah. He was saying like they believe or they don't believe. Yeah. Yeah, just, they're so, they're, I just so act romantic. or I don't act. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like to be fair, the fact that like Nezu's like I didn't believe the colonel would take up arms is probably something that's rooted very specifically in Japanese culture. One sure. Yeah. Like the after the post-war period. I mean, this is not exactly a subtle metaphor. For like what the uh, Akira incident at the start is about and what, you know, sort of like Mm. the post-war period is about afterwards. And 
But we'll, we'll probably get into that later on in the podcast. But I, I do love that, like, again, the fact that, like, Tetsuo is so starved for male affection that, like, Kaneda's his idol. And the film is very, very explicit that, like, literally the only thing that these lads have going for them is their bikes. There's the wonderful moment where they're, like, on a date with, like, women afterwards. And it's like, they're like skirt chasers out of water without their bikes. And it's like, oh, you almost feel sorry for those 16-year-olds. Like, don't you mean fish, fish out of water? This is goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. That was, that was not a yeah, witty reference. Yeah, they're literally like, yeah. this is boring. Like, yeah. what are they without their bikes? You I'll, know? I'll Especially because Canada's bike is like, super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I can all agree on that. And by the way, it's worth noting. A lot noting. of product placement. <laughs> what product placements. Well, I mean, it is, it is worth noting in terms of the bike. Like, the, the, mention, the scene that, or the shot that's been like mimicked countless times is the infamous Akira slide. Yeah. It's that shot, it's from early in the film when they're taking on the clowns where Kanita sort of turns the bike and sort of skids it and the camera's sort of staring mm. at him as he gets further away. Yeah. Uh, I would have seen that, for example, first time I would have seen a Batman the Animated Series with Robin, with Robin's Reckoning. Yeah. But Nolan also borrows it for the Dark Knight Dark So Knight does well. Steven Spielberg in, in um, Ready, Ready Player, Player One. Funny, funny how you said the thing that he didn't care for it. It's <laughs> like... Coming to America, yeah. but now he uses it in one of his films. But at this point, like Ooh, the bikes taking down Spielberg. But you know what? Point, I, I, as he's getting older, he's getting peg. a bit annoying. A whole peg. But at the point is like the bike slide now has just become like that bike slide. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could ask Spielberg, and he maybe like wouldn't even remember that he first saw it in Akira. <laughs> but is he, but become... he's using the bike. Oh, is it the in same? Ready Player One, he uses Canada's well, Canada's bike. Well, isn't that because Ready Player One is literally like let's throw pop culture references at around yeah. around yeah. uh, around and, and, and there's also there's the iconic, of course, everyone will know it, the iconic imagery of um, uh, uh, Canada walking to the bike and it has Akira in spring. Yeah, that's that's iconic. Like you see it on T-shirts well, and everything. Stuff. That's like the poster yeah. film, isn't it as well? Ready but, Player One is like. Um, I haven't seen Ready Player One. Yeah. I know, my, you, my Andrew was really my, afraid that it would make un- the list. I was afraid it would make the list. <laughs> but my understanding <laughs> Did is... Ever? It's, no. it's kind of like, do you remember Care Bears? They're in the film. It's kind of like, Zig yeah. and Zag, they're in the film. It's, Andrew is making the point that if you could use a different set of cultural references... Oh, you totally it could, just happens, and have a different film. Yeah, it just happens to be like the specific cultural references that the guy who wrote it thinks right. are super cool. And important. And what if like knowing about pop culture like meant you were the coolest person <laughs> ever? It's, which is great because it's like somebody missed the point of Akira. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like somebody was like, yeah, this is a great fantasy. Imagine riding the Akira bike and it being the coolest thing ever. Incredible. Imagine the Iron Giant gun down people. Incredible amount of tech billionaires who <laughs> cite Ready Player One as Stop. like the most important book that they've ever read. <laughs> How many is and it? Tell all, Did Mark Zuckerberg say that? It's a lot. No, like like kind of. Um, I don't know if Tim Ferriss is a tech billionaire, How but <laughs> but they, I think the the founder of. Was it uh, Google? Oculus Rift or Uber? Obviously the yeah. founder of Oculus Rift, Rift is, is like, and now I am ready player one. Watch me build the Oasis. But no, like a lot of people who are kind of Silicon Valley adjacent. Makes like sense. Yeah. It they, makes sense. It glorifies them. But yeah, and I mean, even in terms of that, it's interesting how often the film comes back to this idea. Again, because you talked about this as a horror movie. This is... In terms of it being a horror movie, it's one of those horror movies about how how screwed up our kids are and how they're all messed I don't up know in the head. It's just that. Though. No, it's not just I, that. I, I mean, I, like, I, there's obviously I, body horror and like. I think I think like be, being in your teens is one of the kind of periods when you're most ripe to being messed up 
kind of uh, um, uh, uh, psychologically. Yeah. Yep. Kind of thing, be, be, because it's difficult, especially if if you've kind of like uh, um, uh, like 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 Graham talked about, especially if you if you're um, kind of recovering psychologically from 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 being bullied. Mm. And I had a like kind of a a, a experiences uh, myself. I, I and and like the and then you 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 come into your teens and you're kind of like beco- um uh, becoming a person. I think it, it's a very kind of like a vulnerable um uh position psychologically, yeah. but I but I but the people I, you meet can be very yeah, they can be very dis- yeah. you know destructive or constructive of, of who you are. Well, I mean, right. yeah, I mean yeah, like, they, you, they like your your idea of yourself can can uh, can be um And I mean like in in that context it's very telling that like we're living at a moment in time where a bunch of of young angry men who are going through that stage of their teens are going online and finding channels for that yeah. which are not necessarily conducive or constructive or helpful, mm. you know? Well, they've chosen a particular father figure that isn't particularly great. Don't want to name him. But uh, I mean, I mean, that, that, that it's not kind of it's not it's not weird right. stuff. Yeah. Like it, it's not. It, it's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a freak not, occurrence. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's part of being a young adult almost. It's, yeah, it's really kind of uh, the the these things are kind of messy. But the, but they, they it's it's a particular way to 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 look at what that is like. Some something that could happen. Um, then can, something that can happen to people at any stage in life. But that is probably most kind of evocative of of teenage of, boys. Of, yeah, of yeah. Your, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's also like again worth noting the film keeps coming back to this idea of like, and again, it, there's this wonderful moment early on where after the kids are arrested, which by the way is great because you have the opening scene where it's them versus the clowns and they're causing <laughs> chaos in town and like destruction, when death, they, crashing through when, doors and stuff, when and then they, and then they get taken in and they're almost immediately reduced to like uh, children trying, yeah, can, trying like Kanita's trying to like smile and laugh his way out of like a possible jail sentence, for example. But you have even the um, like in that place where again maybe maybe it's just that like. Uh, totalitarian oppression ages you but like the bit where he's like uh hey papa can we go now and he's like papa i'm 25 years old and it's like why are you saying papa it was pops pops Uh, i'm 25 (laughs) 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 that part really spoke to me because i remember where 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 we're from darren um you said papa uh um there was a uh, place called the Clarence that we used to go on, yes. on uh, Thursday, Thursday nights, night. I believe, yeah. I'm sure it's under new management now. <laughs> so this does not reflect on the establishment. But if we do have some like 15, 16 year old listeners go to the Clarence. That, no, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we were in there when we shouldn't have been. Yes. Anyway, and um, somebody walked in who was probably like kind of 25. And, and, and one of us sort of turned around and was like, Who's that old guy? Oh, no. <laughs> oh. like, 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 25 is really old. Oh, when like, you're a when, kid as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, even things like that when they're at school, you have a, it's now, today is Independent Study Day as well. Like, the kids are so neglected in that sort right. of environment that they literally have nobody sort of taking charge of them. And then you have this idea of a generation of kids who are left to their own devices and how that's going to screw them mm. up. And again, that's that's a did, common cultural universal fear. Did it, like, did it make you think of kind of our, our school days as in like the 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 horrible time that, that teachers went through 
in 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 a school that we went to and then it's like oh um it's an independent uh, study day today yeah and it's your fault yeah because we, we have um, those moments. you uh, have, what are those? Have, have have caused like a we, we went to a school that was like and again i have much fonder memories of it than andrew but it was not necessarily <laughs> the best school no, um, and and it, you you don't have fond memories of it you just Sorry. He, anyway, uh, sorry. Go on. Go on. Has he blocked it out? But uh, yes. just repressed it. <laughs> but we would have like Say yeah, space down. It would be very much in the sort of mode of this, where it would be like we would have certain teachers who would be very aggravated by certain students and wound up, and like certain students. I'm not saying one of them's on the podcast now. We're able to get under the skin of some of those teachers as well. And what you'd have is okay. Marianne. Yeah. What's <laughs> the worst, like, in uh, kind of person when you're in your teens? Yeah. But and, and but like I think it's kind of part of it is is like trying to kind of uh, stand up to authority and destroy somebody. Who's, <laughs> is, oh my is, god! Is try, trying to. But I mean, this is of... why Tetsuo, when he's given that sort of power, turns yeah, right. evil. Which like, is, I mean, it's, it's not it's an terrible, yeah, but, but it's or very does show kind of like, reflective. And I was like, I, I think you're making out that I was like, <gasps> no, uh, no, you weren't. Well, a, you weren't an abnormal example. No, you certainly weren't the the only person who was doing this. Mm. But I, have I felt, I felt like if a teacher kind of. Stepping out of line. Good God, Andrew. Uh, Yeah, sorry. But it was a very tough uh, place to be a teacher. It wasn't. Looking back, I'm really kind of like ashamed that I was part of that whole culture. culture, Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and again, that sort of gives you the idea where we would have those independent study periods because the teachers were, and again, (laughs) as a nervous breakdown. Exactly. Exactly. That's not even a joke. Yeah. To be fair, that happened in my school as well. There was once. Teacher did that. As an adult, I'm much more sympathetic retroactively than I was as a child, where I was like, I'm here to learn. Um, this is why Darren has happier memories of secondary school, apparently. But yeah, yeah it, you, 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 you once figured out that, 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 um, like, you, you, that I, I, sorry, we, we can talk about it outside of, 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 of the, the outside destruction you caused. But no, 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 no but, that, 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 uh, uh, Darren knew in school how kind of yeah. And anyway, sorry. I suppose we, you're not comfortable talking about it, so we'll 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 not talk about it. But anyway, but yeah, this idea of like children left their own devices and a generation ignored is kind of a universal fear in terms of pop culture, in terms of cinema and stuff like that. And something that more often comes up, as you point out, in horror, where like horrors are typically about well, well, we've left the kids alone. Let's hope they don't get horribly, horribly butchered. I'm thinking, and even when that happens, it's often like another kid who's doing it. I'm thinking of Scream, for example, mm. where like the two kids, you know, you have the two kids who have been like abandoned by their parents and turned into monsters. But you have like, what's interesting about this is it's been argued that with Akira, there's something much more particular to Japanese culture taking place with this kind of breakdown of order and the emphasis on like absent sort of authority and particular paternal figures. Uh, it's worth noting that, like, a recurring motif in Japanese sort of cinema, um, and I mean, like, you can count, for example, My Neighbor Totoro, for example, even Grave of the Fireflies, but even, like, uh, Battle Royale would be the most explicit example of that, which Battle Royale is another film from Japan from, like, 1999-2000, which is about basically, well, kids these days are horribly, horribly messed up. How the hell are we going to deal with it? And there's some argument... on an island and let them kill each other. Well, that, that <laughs> seems to be about it, like... 
But the, the, there's an argument and it's advanced by, and I have the name here, Susan J. Napier, uh, who studied Japanese literature and who's written a book, uh, Anime from Akira to Princess Minoke, um, argues that like there's this crisis of masculine identity in post-war Japan because you've stripped out like after the end of the war. And this is very much like contextualized as a movie unfolding in the wake of, in the wake of World War Three in inverted commas. But like obviously for an audience watching it, it evokes the end of World War Two. They talk about the post-war period of reconstruction. The Colonel talks about the initial enthusiasm that existed for reconstruction that's given way to yeah the joy and the opportunity that presents given way to a like more cynicism and detachment. You have, for example, this, and again, you point out the, like the product placement in there, and some of the product placement is for um, Japanese there's, companies. There's a Dunlop as yeah. well. Canon, Canon on the yeah. bike. But there's a lot of stuff so in there. Prevalent. There's a lot of cultural markers that are particularly associated with American culture in Akira as well. There's the jukebox, for example. There's mm. the, the right. opening shot. The opening shot with uh, the jukebox there. You have the like oppose imperialism slogan. Yes. You have the digital dry ginger ale. Even in the, the kids' room um, that's maintained by the government, the murals on the wall are very clearly like Disney princess sleeping beauty. Yeah, there's a, sleep, there's, there's a sleeping... I think it's Snow White... And her seven dwarves. Yeah, like as, well, as well. So there's this sort of like... There's yeah, this it's a Western fairy. It's, yeah. a, it's a very yeah. much sort of like a Western influence sort of running through it, which is kind of fascinating. I, I, and I you could argue even like the, the superhero stuff with the yeah. cape and the flying even, and the Superman yeah. stuff. I would even is, say there's a Western theme of the of the kind of folktale of the, um, the kind of Icarus. You know, he flies too close to the sun and literally gets burned because when he... They, they, issue, they use this uh, satellite laser called Sol Which and he's literally burnt like you see his arm get incinerated because he's doing too much that a human should not be able to do like so to me no, watching no. this time around it was like he's, it, it invokes Icarus in the sense that you know he's doing something that a human should not do he's, he's going too high and then he literally gets burnt what happens, Darren, when the colonel has a situation that his ground troops can't do, deal with? He, he better call Saul. Damn, ah, I was going to make that joke too! Oh my god, I was going to say it during the watching, but I was like, no, I'm going to keep it because I'm just going to get annoyed at me. I am so proud of you, Andrew. I am so proud of you. I was going to say it as well! But, oh, I, but I mean, again, I'm sorry, the, the, no, it's fine. It's worth noting as well that, like, the biker gangs, again, the biker gangs in the jukebox feel I like. I was thinking, oh, literal clowns. Initially, they're like, hey, their leader was a literal clown. Let's, yeah. No, no, but I mean, like, if you're down the country in Ireland, calling somebody a clown is very much a sort of a, an expression of frustration. Mm, I'm just breed about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, again, you, <laughs> you have this weird sense, again, of, like, failed paternal influence. And, again, it's worth noting that, like, so much of it's drawn from Japanese history in terms of, like, the student demonstrations, the political movements, the sort of homeless youth. Um, again, o uh, Otomo has talked about like particular influences that he's taken from Japanese culture. Like, so it was based on like his time in seventies Tokyo. The fact that the Olympics are coming to Tokyo in twenty twenty, boy, hindsight, eh? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Anyway, yeah, but, uh, rugby World Cup this year. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was that it was a particularly great motif because obviously we've seen it so much in the years since this, where. Uh, cities with huge poverty problems and yeah. things are just like it's fine we're just gonna build a stadium everyone come no one's getting shot in the streets you know, yeah. it's um 
The it, Olympics yeah. is sort of a signifier of like this place is okay, even though but it, it may it's, not really. It's be. really a signifier of like this place is falling apart, yeah. but do not yeah. look. But, yeah, <laughs> the sensor is not holding, but yeah. we're, we're painting. And it, it was funny how he, he, he like even Tetsuo is is. <laughs> Is signifying symbolizing that as well. He's like sitting down on the throne of the Olympics, going, "Everything is fine. I am a god now." While he is falling apart. Yeah, literally. Like he's literally like he's his body can't contain him anymore. And, and again, it's worth noting. And that he hides it. What's that? Nothing. Yeah, under my cape. Look, isn't it cool? But to be honest, if you saw a teenage boy covering his arm under a cape, you'd be like, "Well, I'm not gonna ask questions." No, about especially what's especially here. at the Olympics. Um, I don't know. But Tell yeah, me. so. The, I know, it's weird, right? The 1964 (laughs) Tokyo Olympics was apparently a big deal for the city as well in terms of post-war reconstruction. (laughs) And I mean, Jonathan Clements, who co-authored the anime encyclopedia, has said that like a number of elements he recognizes as being drawn from Japanese culture. Like the colonel's military coup um, apparently evokes the military coup, the the actual failed military insurrection in 1936. He says the experimentation that the adults conduct upon children has obvious echoes in the Second World War, to pick an example. And like the clash between the older and younger generations that runs through the film reflected that of a society that was dealing. And again, it's, it's not particular to Japan, but in this context, it is this idea of a generation that had experienced the Second World War. And in the case of the colonel, like coming up and realizing that there's a younger generation coming up behind them that hasn't and doesn't have, say, the war as a defining influence on them doesn't have that giving them a sense of like civil purpose. And again, you would see that in the States, for example, during the 60s and 70s, where you would have parents who had like grown up and fought in the war, wondering about their wayward youth protesting and taking LSD and sitting down and playing songs about Kumbaya and like holding hands to save the world. And there's something kind of interesting in seeing that sort of play out through Akira, like from a Japanese perspective. You might actually like this, Andrew, just in terms of trivia. The biker gangs, um, they although they they do sort of evoke 50s America and sort of have that sense of like an American influence on the film, they're actually based on real biker gangs, um, (laughs) which are called the, and I apologize for this, the Bozuzoku, um, which are real biker gangs that were active in Tokyo in the the 70s and 80s. Apparently, they were trained kamikaze pilots. They were trained but not deployed. So they're the ones who were trained at the end of the war. And what would happen is they, they didn't get to serve their purpose. So they had all this pent-up energy. Well, that, that's yeah. the end, but they've been sort of instilled and with... And no Jesus. fear of death. And no fear of death and instilled with this sort of sense you of You can like, feel it in that scene. You can feel yeah. it. It's like they're like, we don't care. We could die. We don't care. Well, Kaneda does a lot of just like throwing himself off buildings. Or throwing himself at a, at a thing that is moving very fast. Yeah. And he oh. jumps... Kicks the guy, grabs it, turns around, shoots people, almost kills Kay at the exact same point. I feel like he's willing to die at any point. Yeah. yeah. Because that, he, has no, that... no, he, has no, he has no parental... Mm. There's no one paternal, you know, inf- Influence influences there. on him. I don't think paternal influences can stop you from, like, well, yeah, I yeah, yeah, like yeah, chasing skirts. At an earlier age. Like, that's what I mean. He had none. <laughs> I, think I, I would like to point it out that I chase skirt, but never ever like tried to blow up Tokyo. Yeah, I think it's really interesting this idea of like the lack of paternal influence because you also see that in the executive council. Yeah, that really the colonel is the only kind of very masculine, like broad-shouldered, mm. like upright man, mm. and then the executive council look are sort of like all like pale, like sickly-looking, decrepit, business, yeah. business men. like asleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, literally falling asleep. But like, even and like all older and all kind of and like even the fact that it's like the executive council implies that they're very like business mm, interests and, yeah. and also all um, men and all men and that 
What was the other thing I was going to say about the council? Well, Nezu and the stuffing of like the the briefcase sure. for the money. Like he's, but even you, he's very like he's very sick. Yeah, but he's got a heart attack when he's trying to get away. But it's exactly that. It's like the the like the sort of head of this society. Like it's literally sick. It's poisoned. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think it's really interesting as well. It, it's quite subtle, and I've never caught this in any Ooh. other watch. But one of them, so you know, at the start they're like, oh, they're protesting the tax reforms. Yes. Mm. And then one of the executive council members says, we're already working hard to undo those tax reforms that the former prime minister put in place. Implying that the prime minister from a few hours ago <laughs> is already out. Yeah. And that, that like, so there's like no stability at the top, yeah. that there's no real... Sense of direction real or purpose. Government, yeah. You know, and it's just essentially like a group of lads like filling their own pockets. And just like, where are we going to get the money for that? Mm. Like, you know, yeah. how are we going to do the politicking? And that the colonel is really the only yeah. guy who's like, I want to do what's best for the city. Yeah, sure. Nezu is undermining them by helping the the reform exactly. the, 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 the rebel yeah. the rebels because he's giving them information as to how to undermine them. Like, you can capture Takeshi if you go here, here, but, here, but, I mean, and here. But, but the, whole, the whole point of that is to get back to that really cynical viewpoint that you know the who's like uh, won't get fooled again. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Mm. The idea that even countercultural movements are like co opted by these influences and these like. They're ultimately just part of the system, and there's no real like, there's no real revolutionary force. Like Tetsuo becomes a, like a revolutionary force in this vast, yep. destructive, monstrous way. But the street demonstrations are just going to end up with people getting killed, and oh, as we yeah, saw with people who adore him, him, and they're all kind of like uh, form a pilgrimage towards him, Which and then he then all kills. die. Yeah. yeah. Which accidentally again, but again that that I think is maybe hinting at something about revolution yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, like he's like, like actively trying like not to kill like he's destroyed like he's like you're shooting my, my my friends and then he shields himself destroys the bridge and doesn't but it, and, and then doing so kills all of us like you see the woman who was doing the prayer beads yeah. getting getting smashed yeah. by a car and like Buddha Elvis is it's also sort of like on his way down as well it's, it's the fantastic thing about this movie is that it gives you that shot of like her falling down and yeah. somebody then catching her and then them and the, then the car. two of them being crushed <laughs> yeah I really uh, because there's not was a man was it a man? It, it, could, have, it could have been. A, a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the not older, sure. uh, the older, ambiguously Was he gendered. being carried? Was he? Was that? Yeah, the guy? The yeah guy I thought that was a man. man. I thought that was a woman. Well, that's what the guy I was referring to as yeah. Buddha. Yeah, Buddha Elvis. Yeah. When I when you, I heard you say that, I was like, was it a man? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. They're dead now. <laughs> yeah, and they do actually. They all wind up the same color in the end. <laughs> I thought they did do a good job of also like lingering on the sort of incidental destruction. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know that this is. You know, that the people in the background aren't just kind of... Discarded. Yeah. Right? Like, and again, bring it back to the superhero genre. Like, the sense that you can have characters throwing each other through CGI buildings, and there's never anybody hurt or any lingering effect. Again, this is why it reminded me of Moore's Miracle Man, because Miracle Man has that where you don't see the attack on, on London by this outraged teenage boy who's been given this godlike power. You see somebody arriving 15 minutes later and walking through mountains of carcasses that have been hung and strung up. I've never read this up. and I can't wait to read it. It's it's really uncomfortable and graphic, but it reminded me of that. There's a moment in this where Tetsuo is walking to the kid's room and you see like the, the guards who are there and that you get to see them fire like the smoke grenades and they're like, that's not working, let's use real bullets. But the next shot is Tetsuo knocking the door down and walking in mm. and the camera panning down to reveal the dead bodies that he's leaving yeah. in their wake, mangled, broken, and quite bloody. Sure, when he first used his abilities to against those two guys who were literally just going, dude, get back in your room. 
they are they're, they're splattered across the um across the little I'm, part of the corridor. I, 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 I love I love that scene if only because like this guy's in the hall. His door has literally been shredded. There are mm. parts of wood of it mm. all over the corridor, uh, hey. and the guy wanders down and says, "Hey." You can't just walk out of your room. <laughs> and then he literally just goes, flick of the wrist, and they're jam. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's, again, this really just like, this is a teenage boy who's been sick of being told what to do. Yeah. You know, it doesn't... Yeah. Um, he doesn't yeah. really have had any real sort of thoughts yeah. about what and like so, several times as well, you see these uh, characters who are like maybe around like half an hour, an hour out from like some like uh, violence having been inflicted upon them, and they're just like vomiting up like a pint of blood. Yeah, yeah. Like which is again something you very rarely see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a reminder that yeah, this is yeah. this is this is really messed up. Yeah, when Kay shoots that guard's face off, you she see, freaks out. But then you see another guard vomit like yeah. he's found the body and yeah. he's vomiting. Like it really is very kind of. Also, interesting, interesting choice to go for half the face. Yeah. I thought that was a very interesting choice for a shot. Like um, I thought maybe head. head I, I don't know why. I, I just found that very an interesting choice. I think they were just trying to make it as gross, like that. It was like this is the first time she's killed, and it was the grossest way possible. Yeah, because you, you could know? tell she she was rom- up until yeah. that point. She was romanticizing being a rebel. She loved Ryu, and she she thought like she, she thought it was all you know they were doing everything for the right reasons, and she never realized that she was doing it simply being the pawn of a man who was just trying to mess with his like his not his subordinates but his his uh, his peers in a like a power play. Like she never realized that it's just it's it's really well. That's your very up. very cynical view of how revolutions work, where there's yeah. this idea that you know you very rarely have this sort of like actual genuine movements that are nominally for the people mm. ultimately just serve particular interests. Which is you know you can argue about whether or not that is or is mm. not the case, but it's a very Oops. cynical view of it. Yeah, um, I was say, loved the score. Loved yeah. the score. The score was, was incredible. Yeah. Very primal. Like the noise. They were. They felt like noises. They felt like yeah. animals. They felt like scratching or or like people roaring and cheering stuff like that when that was happening I, well, there's that lovely like breathy like motif yes. that kept coming mm, that breathy scene yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, there, I mean the noise that the little energy sphere made did sound like a bad ringtone but I think we can forgive them <laughs> well, I mean like it was the, the, the 80s I mean <laughs> there's a good chance it was they yeah. didn't foresee that to be honest yeah. but I mean there is like in terms of design it's worth noting as well part of the reason why the movie cost as much as it did and we joked about this on Nausicaa uh, but it's very much true. The use of mustaches in Nausicaa to disguise the yeah, they really went to dub this well. They, no, but they actually did like the lip syncs. They recorded the actors reading the lines from the film beforehand, so they could synchronize wow. the animation to yep. it, which is remarkable. And then, of course, um, they redubbed it. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Once once you're done, you're done. It's I feel like no, 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 no. They redubbed. There's a whole new cast in like the 2001 oh, no, they, version. They, they did redub it, but yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't imagine they reanimated the mouth. Oh yeah. Apparently, because that was the way that you used to do it beforehand. Was you would just have you know static close up of someone's face, and it would be like those. Remember those awful like news comedy shows where they have a photo of someone's face, oh. but they obviously have somebody like, else's mouth. Like Tom so, Panic, where they have like a whole lot of Toms. Who who? Oh, and they um, superimpose and they've superimposed faces onto yeah. people's thumbs. It's like it and they have like a a thumb uh, version of Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they used to, but they used to actually. That's how they used to animate mouths in anime. That's that's one of the ways that this was a game changer. Actually, just in yeah. terms of technical performance. Maybe uh, this was a game changer <laughs> across a lot of boards. Um, it's worth noting actually that again, Susan Napier, whose work I've cited uh, earlier in the podcast, has argued that. Um, one of the interesting motifs 
of Japanese cinema, particularly following the Second World War, is one of body transformation, fixation on body transformation. Yeah, um, I love it. But um, it's interesting because, again, fascinating that, like, Tetsuo is the one who's transformed here. Yeah. And in the same year, there was a release of another film about body transformation called Tetsuo the Iron Man, about a man who literally transforms himself into a mechanical entity. It's something very much like a Cronenberg film. Um, I saw it years ago. It's, it's black and white. It's grotesque. It's, oh, it's no. very much like a student experimental sort of film. Because this is very Cronenberg. It's it's yeah. it's it's it it's pretty much the um, you know in Rick and Marcy when they yeah, go to the, the Cronenberg the, world. The Cronenberg world. Uh, like yeah. that. Like there's a point where he has fingers on top of hands that are part of fingers, oh, yeah. and one of them turns into a mouse that tries to eat the colonel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's great stuff. I thought he was dead. I loved that. I think that is so like to do with Japan being the only country that has survived not one but two nuclear attacks nuclear attacks and not only obviously the huge death but like the physical changes that happened to a body and that happened to the survivors and like continue to happen Mm. generations yeah generations later and that that would become a real cultural zeitgeist you know Uh, you can see in a lot of their well I mean you were talking about like earlier Last week, when we were talking about Nausicaa, um, Darren remains. <laughs> but when we were talking about Nausicaa last week, you mentioned that, like, the giant warrior, the sequence yeah. where not only does he erupt nuclear power, but he sort of, like, evaporates and the skin seems to melt off. Mm. I don't know why I'm touching my skin because the, like, you the audience the tens- can't You see want it. the tensile skin? It's just coming right out. Just to illustrate <laughs> my point. Um, but yeah, that sort of scene is very evocative of how people would have seen like the coverage yeah. of nuclear explosions yeah. and people yeah. affected as well and the way that it affects a body. Sure, it's very much in there in Toho because I believe Toho also made this. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, people probably uh, message in. Um, it's it's true, true of Godzilla. Like he's all about transformation. The latest film they did of uh, Godzilla, Toho, was he constantly goes through uh, transformations. First time he arrives, he's this horrif- horrifying little larva that's about a couple streets long. And he, has, he goes through three separate metamorphoses before he becomes the Godzilla that kind of becomes synonymous with the franchise. Right. And it's all to do with, you know, nuclear, um, uh, the nuclear disaster and that. And it's just, it's just fascinating how Japan as a culture has just, just dealt with kind of transformation and how it can be for both uh, positive and negatives. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll say the stupid yeah. ones of Dragon Ball Z, and Pokemon... They yeah. have really cool transformations. Actually, just, just, out of, just out of curiosity, actually, because I, I, when I was watching it, what immediately occurred to me was its influence on... And I don't... Again, you two are the experts on anime, to be absolutely clear. Um, I have a very narrow understanding mm-hmm. of it. But in terms of, say, stuff like... I would have seen a couple of episodes of Dragon Ball Z when yeah. I was younger. And shots like, for example, the action shots where the camera... Like, the, the imaginary camera. But the animated sort of footage sort of, like, shifts around them. And you have, like, the lines of light and the movement. But even, like... And you pointed out, again, Nausicaa has this thing where the hair raises. Yeah. But it's not quite to the same extent that it is in Akira. Like, is this... Does this feel like a kind of codified... Like, of the anime that you've seen, does this feel like it was, like, the beginning of that sort of I animation? wouldn't be surprised if Akira Toriyama okay. was massively influenced by this for further, for future. Because Dragon Ball was out around this time, or Dragon Ball Z had only just started, and he hadn't done Super Saiyan Transformation yet. But, yeah, Goku, whenever Goku would get angry or wherever, go, anything like that, his hair would begin to rise, <laughs> he'd get more aggressive, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's deafness. Fructus have a product called manga hair. 
Go on. Go on. Tell me more. Yeah. That actually gets they you. They actually, ha- like, seriously, you can get it, like, done in that? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I'm going there. I, yeah. Yeah. So, it's called an, manga I, hair? Hey, um, uh, we're getting paid. Just to name it. We'll include it in the show notes. Garnier fruit. Sweet. Or is it uh, L'Oreal fruit? No, it's Garnier. Garnier. It's Garnier. I'm glad you checked that. But it's though. manga hair? Le Bar Garnier. <laughs> manga hair. So I imagine you somebody got a certain is length whispering into my uh, earpiece. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our intern, Dave. Isn't it yeah. Dave is our intern? Um, but yeah, um, you were going to say something before I cut you off. Apologies for my que- my query about um, about that sort of action sequences, I think. Oh um no, no but I I I guess one 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 thing I don't I I can't recall what I was going to say okay. but but one thing that does occur to me is that it was just an immediate kind of like oh this isn't this this, this isn't going to be difficult at all to link to RoboCop <laughs> That's <laughs> very true like, it was right RoboCop too but but but, but even it, that even to RoboCop with the car and the toxic waste yeah. I will also say and the amount of how bullets riddle bodies in this quite evocative of that. And even 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 the stuff where you have the television oh, kind in of the news, uh, yeah. in the news, mm. and it's like and, and furthermore, and then <laughs> yeah. there's just like a whole lot of dogs yeah. and the way they juxtapose I mean, that with the dogs on with, television with, that are being all fed. Of the when was Robocop dogs? out? Yeah, when was Robocop out? Robocop would have been out around '86. Oh, okay, um, I was but again, but again, keep in mind that this anime, this anime is based on a manga from 1982. Oh no, so I, I know. So I wonder who, thing. like, no, I just wonder is there ever a chance that you know um, Robocop's director was like, oh, what's this Akira? Uh, I mean, like to be honest, there's a wave of that sort of stuff in the mid '80s. Yeah. Like again, Frank Miller was doing something similar in Dark Knight uh, Returns mm. around the same time. The use of True. talking heads on TV as a satirical, yeah. but that's again down to like the existence of TV and talk news and late night talk mm. news. And that sort of stuff happening around the same time yeah. as well. But again, you're right, the juxtaposition of that, like, domestic ideal. And it's worth noting the happiest household that we see in the film is the woman feeding her two dogs <laughs> on the TV ad before we cut to the two dogs chasing... Uh, chasing re- uh, the man and... Uh, Takeshi, uh, Takeshi. It? Yeah, it's Takeshi. Uh, Poor Takeshi. I do, I do like that bit where, like, uh, Professor Extra Small is like, okay, Takeshi, he hasn't done anything wrong, let's go get him. Uh, I'm sorry, it's time for action, I believe, is the line. And Takeshi's like, oh... Okay, um, as if to say, I'm quite happy here. Thank you very much. Uh, but in terms of body horror, it's actually been suggested uh, again. Uh, Susan uh, Napier's book, which is uh, of the pieces that I've read, I won't pretend to have read all of it. I read a couple of excerpts over the week, but she made this wonderful argument More than us. that was like she argued that while again the, the nuclear shadow is very long and the effects that it has on bodies and how that like permeated Japanese culture in terms of like images, pictures, videos, film, and stuff like that. But also, uh, she argued that there was a psychological element to it as well, in that, like, Japan itself was undergoing a transformation, particularly after that. And again, there's a lot of that in here, where you have the colonel talking about this question of what happens to Japan after the end of the so-called, you know, post-war era. You know, and they have this discussion about Neo-Tokyo having to change, the passion to build is cooled, and the joy of reconstruction is forgotten, and now it's a garbage heap made up of hedonistic fools. But you have this idea that, like, Japan itself was going through this crisis of identity around the same time, where it was trying to figure out, like, what is it now? And in particular, around the time that Akira was released, um, and this is an argument that's that's been made by uh, Napier, but also by uh, some other critics as well, and I'll try to grab some names, and we'll put them in the show notes anyway, but the argument is that around the same time, oh, it's it's Carl Gustav Horn, who's uh, the manga editor at Dark Horse Comics, made the point that, like, at the same time that Akira was released, you had the 1980s, which for Japan were their most prosperous time in the post-war era in terms of, like, economic 
and cultural impact. They were manufacturing technology that they were shipping abroad. They were right. extending their influences. And again, we've talked on the podcast before about seeing that from Robo the American Cup side. Robocop 3 reference. That's it, exactly. <laughs> Robocop 3 reference. But I mean, we talked about it on stuff Stop like Die Hard. Stop back to Robocop. Everything comes back to Robocop. <laughs> we talked about like seeing it on Die Hard, Aliens, for example. Yeah. Aliens, for example. The way the Nutani Corporation. But even things like, um, I was flicking through the television the other night and I saw Rising Sun on. Which is yeah. again this Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes, well those Japanese people sure are weird, aren't they movies? Black Rain, uh, which stars Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia, which is again another sort of, well those Japanese people are really weird, 80s sort of action movie. But like the argument is that like movies like Akira are the cultural flip side of mm. that. In that like, and again it's worth noting that over the course of the film, they talk repeatedly about this idea of Akira as an energy. And this idea that like, you know, absolute energy. Humans do all kinds of things during their lifetime, right? They discover things, they build things, things like houses, motorcycles, bridges, cities, rockets, all that knowledge and energy, where does that come from? How did you and, write that all down? And there's this question that sort of runs through the film about the use of that power. And it's been argued by people like Napier that this reflected, again, and again, I don't have any direct knowledge of Japanese culture in the 80s and I'm aware of speaking like an expert on it, but... The, the idea that this reflects an anxiety that was running through Japanese culture where it's like, well, the last time that we established ourselves as a global power, as a central hub, as like a force, whether economically, politically or socially, in terms of shaping the global fabric, that ended up with something grotesque and horrible. And again, it's worth noting that in the context of the film, like the disaster with Akira is not like a foreign power so much as it's a result of the colonel's meddling, the military meddling. Mm. And like, there's a sense that like, well, are we going to do something like that again? Is there a sense that like, are we going to unleash something that we can't control, even if it's as simple as like Samsung um, or like, you know, sort of like Canon, like taking over like economically and, he, and making and the says, Americans uncomfortable. He says it to the scientist. He says, the second it looks like this could be another Akira, you tell me so we can kill him. And he doesn't tell him, and then he sees that, oh, they're in sync. He has the same energy output as Akira. Why didn't you tell me? Like, well, he's so pissed. It's really interesting as well. Like, the colonel also really uh, sort of embodies again, like, as uh, like the military man who's kind of pulling all the strings on this. He really embodies a sense of, like, innocence lost. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, obviously the scientist is just kind of fascinated by, like, the implications of it for physics and the humanity. The beauty, the majesty. Exactly. I, I, do, I do believe it's, what, what's the line? It's like... I believe it's like I believe it's something unknown and it's like I feel like if you don't know that it's known you yeah. can probably say it's unknown say it. particles um, yeah. he's like there are several unknown particles and he's like cool but um, <laughs> cool don't but care the colonel has a line which I didn't write down but he basically says like you know because the like the scientist kind of asks like like the power of God and he's like yes it's the power of God and we shouldn't touch it but because we know about it, we have to touch yeah. it and we have to try and control it, which is kind of like that articulation of like, we can't go to a, back to a post-nuclear world. Yeah. Yeah. We know this exists now and we have to... Can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, we have to deal with it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we just have to like tread carefully. But I also think it's very interesting that like the scientist character in the end, like his death is like he's... Um, He's uh, hunched over his little projection of this crazy energy s signature mm -hmm. being like, oh my God, it's like the birth of a new universe. But it's like, he is just so focused on the abstract of it that he's just crushed. He to doesn't see the literal. Yeah. But he's crushed to death <laughs> yeah. in his little cubicle. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand that this isn't like an abstract 
game we're playing this yeah. is yeah. happening something in, real yeah, and, yeah, and I thought that was a very nice me- metaphor you know <laughs> and again it's, it's worth noting that again the fusion of uh, Tetsuo is technology based as well really? he becomes yeah. he becomes this sort of all powerful being it, but the a funny, arm it's a funny theme that's followed the two films that we've done over the two weeks in the sense that you know it's like they said about the 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 god warrior the fire you know the warrior yeah. the giant warrior now that we have it now that it's starting to wake up we can't kill it. It won't be moved until it stands up. Like we can't, we can't put it back. We can't put it away because it's it's already awoken. And it's just, it's the fact that two films that were again very close to release. It's just fascinating how it was clearly on a lot of minds mm. in that one country that just suffered so much. And I always but, feel as well that I mean, like, like we talk about this like as if like American cinema after two thousand and one isn't usually shaped and influenced by its own cultural catastrophe. Like, every time we talk about a superhero movie, we're like, we end up talking about the hole in the sky over New York City, the destruction of urban landscapes, and Mm -hmm. this sort of stuff, and the way in which that's shot in order to evoke footage of 9-11. So, I mean, it's not a particular to Japanese cultural phenomenon, Mm -hmm. to be fair. This is something that was so big that it, it altered... It altered, like, the world's understanding of power as a concept, but to be a country that that happened to Mm. is very, very... It's it's bound to become a part of your yeah. national identity, I would argue. But again, I don't want to, to generalize or, or be overly sort of... Uh, what did I call it last week? <laughs> Reduso ad absurdium, I think, was how I described it, where it's like everything... Reduso del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the argument that everything in Japanese culture must come down to the nuclear bomb, which I'm very wary about arguing about, but I feel like in this case... But I don't think it to... does come down to the atomic bomb, but I think the atomic bomb opened a kind of a... A, a, a sort of a question that hasn't been answered because the 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 atom bomb was just the kind of the tip of the iceberg in terms of like our potential to destroy every living mm-hmm. thing yeah. and they, they they like like the the atom the the, the atom bomb in terms of like megatonnage has, has been like surpassed, sur- surpassed. <laughs> so and then the the sheer amount of, of 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 these things that we have and things that we are um, dis- discovering like the, the 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 genuine fear a lot of people had like around the kind of like test they were doing at CERN was yeah. that like oh this is the particle that is going to destroy the universe yeah. <laughs> it is, everything is just universe. going to collapse into it and it uh, it's going to be done mm-hmm. and are, do are, we're going to poke it are we going to create antimatter and the antimatter is going to uh, uh, react with, with with matter and they're going to annihilate e- mm-hmm. each other and and the yeah all of this kind of so the, like like the idea of kind of like the atom bomb uh, being the thing that um, people are afraid of. It's what that represents. Kind of represents. And it's worth noting and, as well, like, again, we're talking about, like, reducing Japanese culture. We, we reviewed something a couple of weeks ago, the Twin Peaks thing, where, again, that used the atom bomb from an yes. American perspective. Because we spent 18 hours talking about it. There's no way I'm not going to shoehorn this in. <laughs> yeah. But no, but I mean... Reviewed it, or revered? <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it, it is that sort of thing. And it is, I think you're right that it's a representation of the thing more than the thing itself. Which is very, very telling, you know? Mm. I love the animation. Oh, it's incredible. I just goddamn loved watching him just wreak havoc. I loved it. But <laughs> even the parts that weren't animated as such, like where it was kind of like the the, 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 the painterly aspects, like yeah. the, the beginning where you're just kind of like um, uh, the shot in of like mm. Tokyo in 1988. Yeah. 
And you think about how um, incredible that must have been in 1988. Yeah. Because I think like now with like CGI and everything, like, we're very spoiled for sort of epic cityscapes and kind of futuristic stuff. But like at the time, it just must have been like no one had done anything yeah. on this scale. No. And it was just, and also like because it was like at the very start of CGI, it must have been like the sensation of being brought into this huge city must have been incredible, yeah. you know, because it's, it's still incredible now. Yeah. So imagine if you'd never <laughs> seen anything even faintly approaching that on a screen before. Um, it's worth noting, by the way, again, I don't have the review to hand. I think it may actually, oh, sorry, it's, it's the New York Times uh, review from 19, from October 1990 when it was on tour by Janet Maslin. It's like, it's a three paragraph review in total, or sorry, five paragraph review in total. One of those paragraphs is spent on the sheer wonder of like staring in awe at the movie's depiction of skyscrapers and the windows on skyscrapers and the attention to detail. And again, like it's obviously like she's making a broader point about the level of attention to detail in the film, but she's talking about like, this was just one small thing that she noticed. The building that holds the children and Tetsuo is gorgeous yeah every time you were every time you see it and then the the moment where you zoom in or when tetsuo flies out of it and goes oh my god i can fly yeah, yeah. and then he just zooms away it's just i get why people want to make a live action version of this but i don't think it needs to happen even with taika waititi or leonardo dicaprio helming it i don't want it to happen it's worth noting by the way that sequence reminded me a lot of blade runner particularly the score had a very yeah. sort of thing, but it reminded me of that bit in blade runner which again another 2019 movie but where <laughs> um what's his name where harrison ford deckard is going to the like the pyramid the weird mayan pyramid that we've constructed in the middle of like future los angeles but there is and again you want to talk about another film about capturing that sort of sense of anxiety about japan as an emerging yes, cultural yes. force you have that sort of thing happening behind it as well. Mm. Worth noting as well, there's a line in the film where they talk about like Pandora's box and the idea that it's opened. And you have the colonel, you have, sorry, I think it's Kai who's talking to um, to Canada. Oh, by the way, Canada at this point is really zoned out. You can tell he's like, yeah. I just want to... Is it, is it Kai or is, is Kai- it your once, is it Kyoki speaking through, through, through her? Yeah. yeah, she's a bit of an empty vessel. Yeah, like character. she's kind of like, Literally. Kyoki just goes, you know what, out goes your brain, in goes me. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry, it'll be a lot less graphic than that other guy's brain you removed. But yeah, there's this. Oh, oh god! Yeah, he said like, "Oh, it's it's not just your 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 looks that uh, that I'm into. I'm more into kind of like the sense the sensitivity sensitivity, yeah. especially like your sensitivity to like old looking kids who <laughs> enter your mind." Um, yeah, weird. But um, even then, like, there's a moment where Kai talks about the idea that like this power of Akira flows through everybody and like you don't have a choice about it being there you only have a choice about how you use it which again taps into that sense yeah. of like and, he's made, and as I said Tetsuo made his choice pretty yeah. much immediately but I kind of believe I, I, I believe in that sort of thing like it's strange because like I'm kind of like a, 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 a materialist but I if it, 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 there, there there seems something so kind of um, compelling and real about mm. that I, 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 idea of, of of there being something kind of cosmic, you know, in everything, in in, in everything, yeah. and the, this whole kind of like idea of kind of there's 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 a weird kind of um, indescribable kind of like capacity for all memories ever to mm. kind of be encased in, in each um, thing. Yeah. So yeah. wrong, wrong choice, and so we'll have to put you down. 
<laughs> I think it is though like the reason that rings so true true is that it is so grounded in the material in this movie. Yeah. Like it never manifests itself as an abstract force. It like manifests itself through Tetsuo. <laughs> yeah. Like and exploding buildings, tearing uh, apart but his like, body. Uh, but like but like chest. literally yeah. his body becomes that force. Yeah. Mm. But it never like I mean you yeah. you talked about how the idea that yeah, in in like American pop culture Psychics are just people who have nosebleeds occasionally yeah. hold their temples and cause the camera to shake. Yeah. Or as opposed to here where you have that literal, the body mm. becomes an expression of this yeah. thing. And even with the children, I mean, we haven't really talked about the symbolism yeah. of these like old kids. Yeah. Well, like that's kind of like, you know, and I, I like the way that it doesn't really go fully go into like what actually happened to them. Yeah, they allude to the tablets they're doing. It. Well, it's clearly obviously that like, these like their abilities were discovered when they were young mm. so they were sort of arrested in their development but then also kind of drained of any vitality so you know whatever way their power is expressing itself again it's like yeah. a very dramatic physical change it was funny they when they were experimented on in that flashback you see all of them they've lost their hair they're weaker like mm. physically mm. but akira looks like he is in Full health. Mm. Like, he looks like he's in the prime of... You, like, Akira, to be fair, he's 10. You look marvellous. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Sorry, oh, that, Kyoki, that went into fantastic. Billy Crystal there. What a but fun like, throwback to last week. Like, they like, they they've, they've all lost their hair, but Akira has, like, his hair looks totally fine. He's just really powerful. Takeshi, you still got use of your legs! Yeah, yeah, no. Takeshi's yeah, hey, no, doing the best out of all of them, really. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, there is definitely kind of... It's definitely a world where, like, no power without a cost. Yeah. Yeah, like, you can't yeah. be a bombshell redhead and also be the most powerful psychic in no. the galaxy. Yeah. Like, you don't get both. You're no Jean Grey. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's, it's perhaps a reflection of it. And again, it's interesting when we talk about this as a sort of a pseudo-superhero thing, that contrast between how Americans have traditionally yeah. viewed that sort of yeah. power, where it is, like... Again, and it's worth... You're hot to trot and but, you've got the yeah. power to show but, like, it. like, you pointed out the X-Men, right? And, and it's not just psychics. Like, the X-Men yeah. are outcasts, yeah. but every one of the OG X-Men is basically a Calvin Klein model. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is... Even Beast <laughs> yeah. has in... a very good body. And he's... then he turns to a furry's dream. <laughs> yeah, like, he's... Yeah, he does, like... Is it Josh Wheaton? Like, the lion yeah, face? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like... people... Yeah, Josh Wheaton did yeah. the lion like, face. even Beast, you're like... There's definitely someone who there's would someone out there, I mean, you know? <laughs> you can, there's like four different versions of how Beast evolves, yeah. and each one has a fan base, I guarantee yeah. you. But, but again, and again, that's, I think, reflects like an American cultural value, mm. particularly at the time, like the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s, where it's like, well, this is working out pretty well, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's like unlimited power, no consequences, or minimal consequences. Yeah, yeah power is sexy. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, even, and even, you have... even Peter, who goes, with power comes great responsibility. Dude, you're still quite attractive. You're very smart. Like, and now you've got superhuman strength and you can like kind of fly technically. Yeah. I mean, come on. But yeah, I mean, it's but... telling that like a lot of the deconstructions of that, like we talked about Watchmen, for example, mm. was a British writer and a British artist. Yep. V for Vendetta, which arguably is a superhero deconstruction. It is. Um, is very much it's a British artist, British writer. We talk about Miracle Man is again, British artist, <laughs> British writer. But we talk about like, and again, all the same British writer to be absolutely clear. But you have like even this, for example, is a Japanese perspective on that same myth as kind of fascinating how different cultures look yeah. at the idea of power and power fantasies and but like the fragility of it. As yeah, well. we take a lot of tragedy with ours. You know, our superheroes would be Kukulin, uh, Diarmid. They all have massive tragedies in their lives, even though they have gained, not, I suppose, godlike abilities. 
Um, so, but there's still there's tons of tragedy in their lives. But they still don't have, and I think this is like what's so interesting about the Japanese perspective is that they don't have that like physically like literally yeah. etched on their bodies. Ah, uh, you don't know you immediately. Know, it's not visible. Yeah. Like they mm. don't pay any physical cost because like that's very much kind of the exception especially like in like the american superhero canons mm. like i think like dc is like the doom patrol are like really, such a great show yeah they're like the really oddball yeah like yeah. group but they're very much outcast they're the siloed ones yeah. yeah you know they're very much not part of they don't represent the yeah. main canon whereas like yeah. the, the justice league is like maybe you got green skin I'll always love the, Sim- the, the Simpsons kind of encapsulated it for me in one scene and like uh, it was years ago and it's just like Homer come in right now and let the two Yakuza groups fight no there's a really small guy who's doing nothing and you know he's gonna do something cool <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he closes the door and you hear ah! and he goes oh man I missed it <laughs> um, it's true because yeah. the thing is when you see Tetsuo it's just like you don't think he's going to do anything to you. Like, granted, I will say, but this might be an anime kind of thing for me. The second his hair gets spiky and he yeah. puts on that cape, you're like, you look awesome. <laughs> also terrifying. Primarily terrifying. I love, though, how Canada had this kind of power. Um, I think by virtue of being Canada and having some association to the person Tetsuo was. Because mm. I don't... Like, not, none of these soldiers could could uh, could hurt Tetsuo. No. But, uh, like, but Canada the got shot in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that, that he... Like, like, because there's nothing kind of... Uh, Special. Supernatural, no. no. About, about Maybe it's just because he always lets his guard down around Canada. And he thought, you know, we're just going to talk. We're going to shoot the shit. I mean, like, you know, can... you're just going to call me crap. I'm going to call you crap. Canada's a bit of a dick to Tetsuo from the outset. Oh. Where they're talking about, like, the idiot was trying to show off. Like, like I think the real reason... Canada has that power is that no one has more power over you than your asshole friend from school. Damn right. Who knows all right the, there. Who <laughs> knows all the dumb stuff you've that you done. Didn't, yeah. And like that's always going to be your weak point. Yeah. You know. And like nothing ingratiates you into their mind and makes you like a hero to them. And then when you sit and then when you give them back their Gundam toy that was taken away from them from another bully. Yeah, it's like, sure. and that's how, and you're now my sidekick. Yeah, it's that worth, was basically the scene. It's worth noting, by the way, as well, just in terms of this portrayal to bring us back full circle. The sort of tortured masculinity, Tetsuo, talking about like, shut up, don't order me around, and why do you always have to come and save me? And this like yeah. resentment mm. that he has towards mm. being like physically weak or being emasculated. So the first time they meet, he saves him. Yeah. No, yeah. no, but again, and, and like even being, later on with being, the clowns, yeah. yeah. I'm, like being a te- teenager, really hating my parents, like kind of like showing up to help me save the day, <laughs> and 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 it's like I can sort this out myself. Like yeah. it'll take like a couple days. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna get the money, Andrew. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Probably be significantly like kind of impaired at the end of it. I don't need your help. Um, But there is that, and again, it's it's kind of that not only taps into, and again, this sort of is the wonderful intersection of Akira, where that arguably not only ties into this like masculine power fantasy teenage boy sort of stuff in a way that's really uncomfortable for many people who've been teenage boys in this room, I suspect. But also Especially taps into this, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was pointing towards Marianne, as I said it, to be absolutely clear. But no, it's, it's also at the same time taps into that cultural anxiety about, and again, this is the thing that Napier was saying about like Japan's culture where you have this 
idea that after the Second World War, when their army was sort of taken away, their armed forces, you know, the, the power of war taken away in the Constitution and stuff like that. Yeah. The idea that they'd been emasculated in a certain yeah. extent for a culture that was so built around concepts Honor. of like this sort of stuff around masculinity which, around which makes it an interesting kind of counter to uh, uh, Nausicaa. Nausicaa yeah yeah, yeah. Well, Nausicaa well, is a very feminine sort of like yeah, feminine and, empowerment and, 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 and it's kind of films. like can we stop killing um, yeah, yeah. Uh, like stop stop the killing which 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 makes so much sense but it's really important to men yeah. to like yeah. kill loads of things. Well, that's it, and, and that, no, <laughs> he's our friend. Nobody's going to kill him but us. Is yeah. At one point, but even yeah, Tetsuo's like, "Why do you have to come and save me? I could have killed those guys by myself eventually." Yeah, and then he like he goes, "Here, I'll, like, don't shoot my friend," and he hits everyone. But it also knocks Canada off. And he's like, <laughs> "Sorry, man." Uh, <laughs> but anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about the Kira? Anything that we haven't discussed already? Is Marianne going to go through Andrew's notes again to see if anything inappropriate? <laughs> there is a food There is there is a point where there like the city is cordoned off because mm. of because of Tetsuo. And somebody is in their car and they're shouting, Hey, I've got fish in here. <laughs> oh yeah. Are you and he, am I gonna be compensated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I gotta catch a plane. Um and there's also the requisite two fifty inappropriate smoking in there that is, most of yeah. Tokyo is inappropriate also, can, smoking also can, at the end yeah, of the film. Canada, can, sorry, that was very tasty, oh, that was so very poorly. Yeah. Canada, <laughs> Canada does smoke at one point. Yeah. His yeah, girlfriend his girlfriend at the time is smoking as well. No smoking ban in twenty nineteen Tokyo. Well what the hell now? Uh, Andrew, do you not want to read this beautiful prose poem you've written uh, in your notebook? Where, where's that? <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Um, we close out on this. Do you this. like me to do a prose like poem? I've, I've, I've went through pretty much every... Oh, yeah, I really like the kind of... the, the I, But I think we, we spoke about it. Um, was it uh, Nezu? The yeah. Way, yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. The way yeah. he dies? Um, yeah, yeah. briefcase of money that's fluttering away and his mouth full of pills yeah because yeah. he's dying yeah. Yeah, in case he... you don't get this sense that society is corrupt and, and Ryu just score. walking away just like what have I done yeah. and then there's the moment where the colonel's talking about the capitalists and industrialists who have ruined our society yep. while Nezu is just cramming pills into his mouth and bearer bombs it looks like into his case again, and a lot of money <laughs> again I love I... those animated cases that won't close but like kind of bulge <laughs> I enjoyed as well. It's like I, case body horror. Yeah. <laughs> I'd written it down. The um, open mouths. Because yeah. there's so many. There are so many open mouths. Which is like. Because that's the thing. They it's gasp. an appropriate kind <laughs> of uh, prompt. To kind of. It's okay audience. This is. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is how you should be. Kind of reacting like. Re to reacting to this. All the characters. Like kind of like. Standing there. Like just mouth. Just, like yeah, completely just agog. Agape. Like yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose the really thing I only want to finish on with me is uh, I really just love the animation because I'm all about like superheroes uh, uh, beings with these kind of powers really showcasing their their potential and just seeing the scene where they're just like waiting the guys are the the army's waiting for whatever's coming they don't know that it's that it's um, Tetsuo and you just see a helicopter just like clearly moving normally oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden just flipping mm. and it smashes into the ground. And then you just see um, Tetsuo just walking through the flames. He's like, hi. There's also a sense but, of, when but, you first see him, he looks like a Frankenstein. As if, you've created this, you're all going to die now. The, that, that's another moment where, like, people are definitely dead. There, there, there's, a moment, <laughs> there's a moment in the kind of police station 
where there is oh, a, yeah, the there's a student protester takes out a grenade and then they kind of like take the grenade away it doesn't because work. it doesn't work. About a minute later, they're uh, <gasps> outside and they see like little explosion yeah. going off that's on a nice payoff. that floor, like yeah. from the um, and you realize like that's probably like that's a, a that's a, a blink a, and you miss a, somebody like with a family who's it's dead. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah and an explosion that twenty five year old that looked thirty five is. Maybe dead. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's also even the... Um, we haven't actually talked about that much, but the, the bunny, the the scenes with the... Um, the Well, okay, the scenes with the bunny and the teddy bear. Oh, God, yes. Um, and one of the things that does really well, and again, this taps into that horror sense, is it makes childishness really scary. Yeah. And again, taps into that sense of, like, absent kids left their own devices because you have this idea of teddy bears which should be comforting and lovely and adorable. And it is kind of... Like, there's a great sequence where the teddy bear climbs up and it initially looks like it's going to be... Oh, this Why? Because it's small? It's small and there's a race car with a face on it. No. Yeah. Um, and, I mean... If I, they're smaller, it's worse. They can I, get into places. I know where the movie's going. Uh, but also, you know, I mean, like... I'm hmm. kind of like... This is kind of cute. And then it turns into this big monstrous thing. But even things like the milk. The very weirdly yeah. specific... Why? Well, uh, very clearly because there's no mother. Oh, okay. It's the idea, again, of this, like, childhood turned rotten and sour yeah. and grotesque. This oh. idea of the things that he's been denied that are sort of, like, metastasized oh. and turned monstrous. Like, Tetsuo probably never had a teddy bear. He had to fight to... Or, you know, uh, Canada had to fight to get back his little action figure. Yeah. Barry is also associated with the West, more. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. Really? I did not know that. Huh. That's very good. Sorry, I didn't realize that. That's cool. I, do, I don't think that's uh, <laughs> what Japanese they're getting at, for bears. Okay. Yeah, the, the the Japanese diet didn't really con- include much dairy until um, relatively recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good. And it, would, like, it, it, like it'll never match America's kind of capacity. <laughs> well, they are among eat, the most uh, lactose intolerant people in the world. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, oh. My sister is a geneticist and she's done this uh, research we are among the most lactose to- lactose tolerant people in the world. Huh. Ireland, a very tolerant society. And, <laughs> and I, I won't go into her research because I'll probably get it wrong. And not, not that she's going to listen to this, but if she does, she'll just be like, Do you think they did that, the milk thing, because to frighten him because he might have been lactose intolerant? No. <laughs> hey, the real know. horror here is oh, lactose God, milk. intolerance. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. No, that was the end of my point. Ah. It's like, let me just give you a potted and probably an accurate version of my sister's <laughs> research. Um, I, I we'll give the, notes to Marianne's sister, don't worry. <laughs> I love the movie's use of silence. Yes. Mm. Yeah, like the 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 um, silent kind of space explosion. Sequence, yeah. Mm. yeah, where it just goes... But I mean, there are even sequences of... in Tokyo itself or in yeah. Neo-Tokyo that are like... It's funny because I was thinking about this with... Um, was we were talking about this on Nausicaa and how, again, this concept of Ma, I think, is what um, uh, Miyazaki calls it. And how he hadn't quite honed it when he got to Nausicaa. Because Nausicaa's all go, 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 go all the time. I was kind of thinking about that watching Akira because there are a lot more passages of silence. And particularly like those sequences, sometimes with like bodies afterwards as well. Mm. Like sometimes like focusing on the aftermath of violence, you have these sequences where it's quiet or you have even just like the sound of simmering flames mm. but there's no real music and there's no real sound of action or shouting yeah. in the background it's just like this is this is the image process it on your own terms i think they did the space thing in, in my uh, opinion i think that the space thing because in space there is no sound so i think they were literally like on we're being accurate to space here in <laughs> like, space this, this, yeah exactly no one can hear you no what was that like <laughs> but it felt like he wasn't blowing it up he was pointing it 
as as it was being activated. Yeah, like he was pointing it was all it kind at of people. going off yeah. and destroying and everything. And then he destroyed it. Yeah. And I, I, he broke it. What? <laughs> like, I, what a dick. I think kind of Concussive like... Concussive maintenance. Similar to Nausicaa as well. It's kind of like... As, as, a, as a species, we kind of get to a point where... Um, we're able to uh, destroy everything, so then we do. <laughs> um, and uh, especially kind of um, uh, Tokyo, <laughs> which has suffered enough. Yes. Um, well, again, like you have, like, it, like even, and it again, gets I, destroyed twice. I'm not entirely sure that the it's like, not, destroyed three times. I, again, this is one of the things where I might be reading too much into it. I don't want to generalize too much, but even the shots of the remains of the satellite coming down over Tokyo, yeah, like the sky lit red and little traces of fire, looking like you know, sort of bombing almost. Looking like meteors falling to Earth, which mm. is very evocative to a certain, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so um, is there anything else we want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already with Akira? No. I feel all done. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Deadly. I mean, we could talk forever. But, uh, <laughs> it's a film that it's, on, it's an onion, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so that, all right, that's grand. What we're going to do is we're going to ask you for some recommendations uh, for people. So if you have something that you've enjoyed recently that you'd like to share with listeners, whether it's related to the film or not, but also where listeners can find you online. So Graham. Mm. Where can I find you online and what would you recommend? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at GameGeekAir. Uh, I'm also, there's GameAir for, uh, it's a gaming website that I uh, run. Uh, you can check out my reviews on Scanon. I've seen a lot of films this week. I saw Pet Cemetery, Missing Link, uh, Shazam. Um, you mean two weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My brain is killing me. Uh, just talking about, you know, post stuff. Just yeah. Post stuff. That's a weird word. Uh, <laughs> it's okay at the end of this podcast Graham's going to explode and go back to universe where he's reviewing where I am the universe yeah, um, yeah Shazam uh, I hope people have seen it uh, Missing Link I really recommend and I also really feel will go under a lot of people's radars yeah. uh, gaming wise I've been playing this game called uh, the Legends of Hero- Legend of Heroes Co- uh, Trails of Cold Steel it's an RPG franchise that I only just got into it's, the se- it's part of the second trilogy in like a massive franchise like there was a trilogy before it called trails of the uh, trails of the sky uh, that i never got into um it's a lot of fun um it's out now on the playstation and i highly recommend it uh that's that's everything <laughs> uh, well you can find me on twitter at tiny orc um and i guess game of thrones is out now uh so if you are despairing of George R. R. Martin ever finishing the <laughs> books and would like something similar, there's a great series called The Dandelion Dynasty by Ken Liu, who is a Chinese-American author. And uh, it is... I mean, Game of Thrones set in like an Asian culture is kind of almost a facile description. It's kind of a... I think the genre that's been coined for it is silk punk. Oh. Um, and Ooh. it's like really dense, really like dense world, different countries, politics, really, really epic. Uh, yeah. So if you're kind of like, oh, I want a fix of something uh, in that line and also very interesting in that, like it doesn't have like the cultural touchstones for us of like fantasy kind of be- based in a like Western medieval Europe type setting. Uh, it's very much a medieval Asian type setting. So yeah, it's very enjoyable. And there are two books out and they're both huge. So Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew. Um, A-Q-U-I-N. 
N I U Q A um on Twitter. And um if I were to recommend something, um I watched um I'm quite late to this, but it's on Netflix and it's uh, Line of Duty. Um everybody's right I've heard if you like yeah. the bodyguard, you'll really like Line <laughs> yes. of Duty. Yeah, no, I've heard like, I'm this too. About the bodyguard. That, that actually tends to be the gateway drug talking to people because the bodyguard's only like six episodes. Yeah, that's what I've heard, definitely. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh well, there's a story. Okay, there. yes. uh, yeah, I'll tell it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I anyway, sorry. <laughs> That it? Finish it. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm good. I don't want dead air, Darren. But you're enjoying you're enjoying the body you're enjoying the bodyguard and you're also I've, enjoying No, I've 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 Line seen just the first <laughs> just the first episode of Line of Duty. Oh and um But it captured you. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like Make it your duty. Is really good. Yeah. I'm all surprised right. I haven't like I had not heard of it at all and then started to hear about it like all at once. <laughs> all of the time. Yeah, yeah. All of, Can't wait yeah. to find out where you heard it from. It's, yeah, like a few yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so in terms of things that I recommend, um, busy couple of months. Uh, so I've seen a couple of films. In terms of East Asian films, uh, there was a remastered edition of Ringu, actually, which was released oh, in yeah. cinemas for the 20th anniversary, uh, which should be coming out on Blu-ray soon. If you haven't seen Ringu, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It's one of my favorite horror movies ever. I, I don't know if I could. I, uh, I, even the Americanized version, I still was... Familiar. Have you not seen the Ringu? I haven't seen Ringu. The Japanese, I haven't seen Ringu. Japanese Ringu. version's amazing. It's um, horrendous. It's fantastic. It's, it's wa- so upsetting. I watched it at the age of is 12. It really gr- first- is it really... No, it's not gory. It's just like it gets inside your head. It's- well, it's similar to The Ring. You know, both of them just, you were talking about um, having uh, flashbacks to, you know, when your mind no, just, you know, yeah, yeah. Mind when you, just when wanders, your mind wanders, yeah. my mind always wanders, it goes, hey, Graham, here's a really grotesque dark image you, you don't like thinking about, here it is. My so, mind wanders to the, to the ring, uh, or ringu, depending on yeah. my mood, uh, I yeah. guess, so. <laughs> yeah, the, the listeners to the 250 podcast <laughs> will remember Kellaglan and, and the Black Prince. <laughs> That's, that's where Andrew's mind goes. That's where that, that's the movie that Kelly Glenn and the Black Prince is referencing in that uh, small um, uh, segment. Yes, so for, I love for, I love the idea that, of people having that, a frame of reference for that weird for Venn diagram of people <laughs> who have never seen The Ring but are very familiar with, with an obscure Kelo. Turkish movie. Yeah, yeah that's, that's on the sort bottom. Of the sweet spot used right to be there. on the bottom one hundred. Now is. So it's not notable for any reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that in terms of Japanese releases, um, in terms of Chinese releases, I saw Ashes Purest White at the Dublin Film Festival and it's amazing. It's really, really good. It's very moving. It's very affecting. It's kind of, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a love story told over the space. So I think it's the course of eight years um, and it, it's magnificent. It's, it's really worth seeking out. And also the Indian film, The Man Who Feels No Pain, uh, which is great because it's really great having seen an Indian film that uh, Babu and Giovanna are sort of experts in Indian cinema. Um, have are they experts like we're experts in No, in I think they're Japan, actual, they're actual experts. experts. <laughs> I don't want to answer that because it would be rude to you guys. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> no, no um, Well, I know when I'm not Giovanni wanted. certainly is. Ba- G- Babu, G- I think, is, is G- quite clear all the time. that like... Giovanna, so yeah, Babu is the 250's leading expert in cricket. Yes. Um, but yeah, The Man Who Feels No Pain is a superhero spoof from India and it's just Ooh. a joy from beginning to end. It's basically a kid raised in 80s action movies goes out into the world using that as his soul for frame of reference for how humans are supposed to interact with one another and it's brilliant and I wholeheartedly oh. recommend that um, I've also been rewatching The Twilight Zone because Jordan Peele has a new version coming out co-written by uh, Glenn Morgan mm-hmm. um, and uh, the first episode though? the first two episodes are out oh, um, okay. so there's Nightmare at 30,000 Feet with Adam Scott 
Oh. Uh, which is an update of the Nightmare 20. How does the creature look? Uh, there is no creature. Um, I hope it's oh. not all political, Darren. I <laughs> Unlike hate the that. old one. Well, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Couple of interesting Sorry. connections podcast-wise for the new Twilight Zone. First episode stars Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, a friend of the podcast. A, f- a, f- a can, friend we, of Darren. We can call... No, he's not a friend of Darren. But you he can mar- call him a friend. He wrote some really nice words about my work sometime. And the second <laughs> episode is something that I feel our listeners will empathize with greatly. It's an episode about the dangers of white guys talking to and listening to podcasts. Nice. Um, So I feel like that maybe struck a nerve. We want to talk about, like we talked about Akira striking a nerve for those teenage boys watching it. Yeah, I was watching Nightmare at 30,000 feet. I was like, well. Uh, I saw a joke on Twitter that was like, if you're a white man and you turn 30, you either have to start a podcast or take up vaping. There is no other choice. And I was just like, Andrew does both. (laughs) (laughs) He was doing podcasting before he hit... Wait, what? Did you? Ne- next, next up, stand-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so that was you actually suggested stand-up comedy. I feel like I did. <laughs> like, I'm the worst. There was all, I, love, I love how every bad idea, on the every bad kind of you know <laughs> mediocre kind of thirty-something guy kind of like. But I love that every sort of like bad idea that we implement on this podcast can in some way be right. traced back to. Also, it's, it's a bit worrying that Andrew says that, and that's what I believe is the origin of the Joker. Um, <laughs> there is also a very good tweet that's like I could do this all day just i think that's the only thing i'm an expert the only thing i'm an expert on is tweets um but there is a very good tweet where a guy is like you know like this dude had a go at me for having a podcast the other day and i get it because like having a podcast is kind of done but he is and i can't stress this enough a stand-up comedian (laughs) (laughs) but also um so yeah if if you are traveling on a plane and would like a podcast to listen to (laughs) not literally a killer podcast um you can subscribe to 250 at itunes stitcher soundcloud spotify wherever good podcasts are available apparently lots of people listen to us on overcast and google play as well podbean Um, Pod, uh, Podbean is not where we're at, unfortunately. That's uh, where you're at. I listen to you on Podbean. Okay, well, then I guess we're at Podbean. I say this every time, and you say, oh, I guess we are there. Okay. That's great. We're in places we don't even know where we are. We're kind of like Tetsuo at we're, this stage. Yeah, we're on the, we're on the new uh, Google podcast app, too. Yeah, wow. Like the, um, I think that just happens automatically there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Chosen specially, yeah. <laughs> but there used to be a kind of like an uh, Irish a, podcast a, a set kind of like Android um, podcast app, but now yes, Google has one. Um, but also, just to thank everybody who's listened already, we've had sort of a, a lot of people have been listening. We did that. We did Are we going to thank everyone? No, we're not <laughs> individually. All five of them. No, no, no. But like, people have been wonderfully supportive. Myself and Andrew still can't believe that people actually listen to this, um, which is is outstanding. So thank you very much guys we really really appreciate it absolutely um, thank you this yeah. is a real indictment of you <laughs> what? <laughs> what andrew means to say is no no, no but like seriously thank I you cares, very much we, we, we were and very flattered thank you guys for having me and graham yeah uh regularly <laughs> for our expertise yes <laughs> thank you uh, for coming on it's, it's a joy absolutely every time both of you oh, guys thank you. Um, and we are hoping to maybe have both of you on to talk about a new entry on this <laughs> may uh, is this um, uh, this is NGE baby uh, I don't know anything about that franchise nor do we uh, yeah that's the one time I'm not knowing anything about it apparently the movie is completely incomprehensible if you haven't watched the entire anime Fantastic. I'll get on it so I'm thinking this will, 
Um, it, I've, been, I've been watching this one since we began doing the, the podcast. The fan base is quite rabid. I, I, this was on, like, I, had, I gave you a list of, like, ten films that were going to make the list. About eight of them did. This was on that list about two years ago. I'll do some research on Tumblr and come back with okay, not Tumblr. Like, what's going on on Tumblr. I'm just going to watch maybe the original yeah. series. I think it's only, like, one season. <laughs> I'll be like, this is what Tumblr thinks about I'm it. I'm going to check the subreddits in the Blue Rose forum. Oh, then <laughs> <laughs> See, see what they have to say. Wow. Because okay. you're two weeks oh, oh, Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> I'm, Actually, I'm going to say this right now. Andrew, if you do that, you're going to be spoiled. Um, <laughs> you're going you're to spoil the ending for yourself. Anyway, next week, myself and Andrew will be back with the wonderful Phil Bagnall to mark, to mark the release of Avengers Endgame. Myself, Andrew, and Phil will be talking about what? The Avengers. Yes. Really? You remember that movie? Phil? It's iconic. It's brilliant. And Phil absolutely insisted that we have him on to talk about it. it Is it already on the list? I... Well, uh, the original Avengers is on a list. Yes, it definitely is on a list. Um, (laughs) The Avengers that we're talking about here... Um, um, and Avengers Endgame is going to be coming into the list, we're pretty sure. We'll be having Tony Black on to talk about that in about two weeks, roughly. Of course, yes. At the time this is, those are all uh, good facts. <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. We'll be back next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>